show everybody this is your host jt it is 8 44 a.m on sunday the 28th of january 2024 we are live in studio <laughs> with me as always i have ron hey good morning. I have ryan for those of you that missed the dark show oh. we learned a lot about me that you guys will not know until another dark show <laughs> <laughs> i lost a lot of weight it's been cold out i'm wearing jeans now i usually wear shorts and we're back yeah. <laughs> I didn't lose a lot of weight recently. It was 10 years ago, 12 years. Math is hard. Yeah, Math. we went through a whole journey with you on that one. You guys learned a lot about me. We did. So, And nobody else. Nobody else heard that. It, that's why it's a dark show. It's <laughs> yeah. for the in-studio only. These bobbleheads learned so much about us. So in-studio. You're not even using that camera. Oh, good. <laughs> so, see, that's that's kind of like the dark show, right? Yeah, you know. Nobody heard what happened. Well, nobody saw what you did right there. Perfect. I mean, they saw you did something, but and I'm sure people heard that we did. Ryan's about to lose it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, on. this this is the joy of a live show. If uh, we would have been recording to post later, that would have made the, made the cut. Yeah, would have made the show. Oh man, gentlemen, how we doing? Great, great. <laughs> Better so than good. me. so let's keep this in mind there's a box on this on the on the screen that's normally never checked you check it in order to but now it's checked all of a sudden it's checked it says live this time yeah i don't know if i hit it inadvertently yeah it's fine we're fine awkward we can't panic we're fine we're fine we're fine it's fine as we were on the last show it's always fine it's fine it's 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 never but gentlemen, how are we? Doing good. We uh, <laughs> I'll let him go first. Send our oldest, that, <laughs> we sent our oldest off to the Air Force. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's always awesome. It is. Except for, for him at the moment. Well, he may have settled now, in by now. He's he's doing, I'm sure. So he called my wife and for the first time in his life he experienced emotions. No. Not a not a vocally emotional guy. Sure. Not at all. Sure. But he heard her voice for the first time after feeling, you know, all the the basic training. <laughs> what did I get into type stuff? And, I've been there. I've and those, been there. Yeah, same. And those emotions just kind of came out and she got the brunt of it. So he got the, he, the the lip quivering, hyperventilating. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, couldn't breathe. Yeah, can't talk for a good minute and a half of your two minute call. Yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it. and I did that. My mom doesn't think that it ever 
happened. Right. Well, it was more traumatic for me than it was for you. But <laughs> oh, it happened, mom. My mom swears it didn't happen. I never called. I know I didn't write. I'm not perfect. I sure, know sure. Well, not. I know I didn't write any letters, but I know I called. <laughs> I know that I lip quivered for a good 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah, as, and, it, and it's it's as soon as you hear you know your mom's voice, your oh, dad's yeah. voice, whoever's significant in your life. As yeah, soon as you yeah. hear them, you go. Oh, and you're just, your life's over for that two minutes. It's fine. But he called me after calling yeah. her. I got some words out and like a sentence or two. <laughs> so that's cool. And I know that he's going to be doing okay. Sure. Well, you've been through it. I've been through it. Yeah. I get it. That exact basic training. Actually, same squadron even. We're wow. Yeah, Look at you. Cool. It's it's pretty. And, that, and that's random. Right. Yeah, it's so not, it's, I didn't make a call. <laughs> well, but you don't get a pick. It's not. No, yeah. right. But I didn't go, hey, I got to get him into. No, it just happened to work out that way, which is really cool because there's six, eight different training squadrons for the Air Force. Sure. Happened to go in that one, which is really cool for me because yeah. he's going into such a different career field that our paths are about to split. Sure. For him being a flyer, me being a mechanic. Right. We're going to go different ways in the same machine, basically. Cool. Right. But it, it's neat to have that last little. And then after that phone call, my wife has done a bunch of different research. There's a YouTube video for every single week. See, wow, I didn't have shit like that when I went through no, in there 2004. Was, there was barely the internet. <laughs> hey, not that old. No, I went in 02. I get it. <laughs> but Sorry. Like, there I just wasn't, take offense anything. Nobody, yeah. Because, you know, my memory knew. clearly is slipping today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but nobody could ever, like, sure do that research ahead of time. Sure. Like, oh, what's what's going to happen in week one, week two, week three? Well, there wasn't you know, a Facebook page. What happens in the, in, in the first three P days? Do you, do you even make... P7, or do you guys even have that in the, the Air Force? I don't know what that is. Pre-days. Oh, yeah. It doesn't zero start week. until you're yeah, yeah, zero, zero weeks. Week. You, you get your haircuts, you get your uniform. Yeah, you yeah. Of... You, go, you go to medical, you go to dental, you go to vision. Yeah, you do some You get your BCGs. Yeah. BCGs are the worst. I still have my BCGs. I should wear them sometime. I would love to. Uh, so BCGs are birth control glasses? Because they know why you're getting oh. laid wearing those. <laughs> Nobody gets laid wearing those glasses. <laughs> Which is wrong because so the, oh, the first week that we were there, you know, the, the front half of the compartment is for the incoming, the back half of the compartment is for the outgoing. Well, the outgoing group, and they split you on one side of the hallway as the men, one side of the hallway as the women, but they were uh, co-ed mm. units. Yeah. Um, and so you have at night to to mimic having watch you watch the the back staircase and the front staircase and then you have to alert the deck whenever officers come on board yeah 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 and so is every building in the navy a ship yes yes ship one ship two ship no, three ship no, four decks floors yeah. like floors or decks yeah. no they're humans yeah. would call them floors yeah well so separations when I went through it was ship fifteen. That's weird. Yeah, and I was in the drugs and thugs compartment because people getting popped for UAs, fighting, stealing, reckless behavior, whatever. Or, you know, but I was older. I was 26 when I went in, but so they thought I would be a good influence. <laughs> so they put me in there. They made me yeoman first, first day. Which, whoa. They said my mic was muted. Yeah. yeah so, no, no, it's not. So, so you, you get, get that's that's your computer, computer mic. Okay. There it is. <laughs> 
That echo brought to you by Ron in the United hey, States Air Force. You're welcome. Hey, stop it. <laughs> I just read in your hat. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, they they uh, they made me yeoman, which means that I lined everybody up for all the meals. I let all the lines go through to get to get chow. We went to, to the USO to get our, so we got good meals every time. Nice. But but I assigned work duty for those that could go out and do recycling or pick up trash or whatever. Sure. I was everybody's best friend. And then I was also the one that let everybody go, to, took everybody downstairs to make phone calls. So I got to make all the phone calls I wanted. And then, you know, take them downstairs to shower. So I got to shower all I wanted. And that's the only ship in the entire uh basic training regiment, all, all the divisions that had dividers in between the showers. It was at the recruit car wash to where you're just going through and yep. rinse, clean, rinse, clean, rinse, clean. It's great. Um, but anyway, back to the main story. Cause you know, I rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, shiny. Um, <laughs> but this, the women were on one side, the men were on the other side. They were watching their respective back hallways. Well, Two of them got caught in the middle of the night having sex by an officer. Ooh. So the next day he got to tell his parents why he wasn't graduating. Ooh. And they were supposed to graduate the next day. Oh, dude, she got wait. to tell her husband why she wasn't graduating. Oh, yeah. Oh. That face right there that Ron's making. <laughs> yeah. That's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's they worse. got caught. That's worse. They yeah. got caught in not the only, hallway. Not only am I not graduating. But yeah, I had an affair <laughs> and I'm getting dishonorably discharged. And, and if anybody knew the glasses, I assume he was wearing. I don't know if he was or not. Or not. But okay. I, I don't know who it was because yeah. we didn't we, we weren't able to speak to anybody, let alone. Right. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I got you. Didn't know a name. <laughs> yeah. And they were all gone that very next day. Anyway, graduation right, so quick. But yeah, so we sent him off to basic training. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> getting back here to your weird tornado. I'm sorry. Yeah. I lost six minutes earlier. Hold it against me. <laughs> Apparently I did. I, I blacked out. <laughs> but thank God your wife got that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Savior. Yeah, um, right? You picked it. Yeah, so we got, we got Daniel off to basic training. He's good. doing good. Uh, he's going to, week two, three, we were looking at all the agendas for what basic training is going to sure. entail. And He's gonna flourish. He's gonna do Good. amazing things. So we have high, high hopes for him. Good so, as you should. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never met the gentleman, but from all accounts, from everything you told me, he sounds like he's gonna go far. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. he's gonna do well. The world ahead of him. Sure. So he's gonna do. That guy just rode by on a motorcycle. There's ice on the ground. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's intense. You know what they call those in the ER? Organ donors. Yeah. So hey, wow. There that is. I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> I've ridden motorcycles for 20 years and I'm still here. I'm talking about the guy riding by on ice. Oh yeah, I have I have common sense. <laughs> right? yeah. so, you know what my dad said about common sense? It's not very common. It's like deodorant. Those that need it the most don't use it. Ooh. Shaboom. <laughs> hey, the old man had some quick ones. <laughs> <laughs> so he was also from Dairy Farm in Western Oklahoma. So he had a lot of weird ones too. <laughs> Fair. Ones that really didn't make sense, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's hotter than two ferrets fucking in a wool sock. What? What? I mean, it paints a picture. It does it? It does. It really does. It's like, you know, that's got to be hot. And it's definitely not what it is outside right now. No. No. He was also Army Special Forces in Vietnam, so he had some weird ones. Yeah. He ate monkey brains. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't. 
Like it I think sounds that's where, that's terrible. COVID came from, I think. Have you guys yeah. seen Mr. Deeds? I think it's Mr. Yeah. Deeds. Yeah. Some people eat bugs. Ew. <laughs> Ew. No, it wasn't. It was a uh, dead man on campus. Yeah, it wasn't. That's Mr. Deeds. Realm, yeah. No. I was pictured Steve Chevy's character. <laughs> I mean, it his, was an old man. His character's basically the same in a lot of his movies. It is. Yeah. Uh, outside of like Con Air, that one is. Have you seen the 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 uh, conspiracy theory about that? No. Between that, uh, Billy Madison and what's the other movie? It's Con Air, Billy Madison, and uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that. I so have not heard no. So um, Billy Madison is is first, and then because they made fun of him, the whole thing, you know, he's making that list of people that he's going to kill. Yeah. And then he turns into Garland Green from Con Air. Nice. And then at the end, you know, the the, the plane. Rex and he goes off. Yeah. Well, then he reinvents himself as I can't remember his character's name. Donnie. Donnie and Big Lebowski, no and that's way. why he has his moments of rage and snapping. And yeah. <laughs> no way. I mean, I don't know, but it kind of makes sense. I like it. A little Mandela effect, maybe. I you're out, of, like you're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> it all adds up. Such. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> you got the PowerPoint ready. Let's get off my rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Today's January 28th. It's also my mom's birthday. So happy hey, birthday. Hey, happy, happy birthday, birthday, mom. We are good to go. I'll get to the right one. And here we go. I am firing on some cylinders today. <laughs> Good. Good. Here we go. Uh, they've all got the same. I need to go through and change the titles. That's what it is. I need to rename them. I'll get there. It's fine. <laughs> We're fine. It might be Tuesday before I get there, but I will get there. Good. All right. Today in history, uh, January 28th, the 28th day of the year. Mm. Whoa. That's how, that's how for those that are counting maths yeah. are hard i get it so uh starting with events on the Wayback machine let's make sure that we line up before i just go talking off the hip there uh 1547 edward the sixth uh the nine-year-old son of henry the eighth math math uh becomes king <laughs> like how you guys did that you should make that a thing uh became king of england on his father's death which is crazy that there's a country in the world that allows a nine-year-old to rule it, regardless of lineage, regardless of chosen by God, regardless of whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah what? True. He was the only male heir to Henry VIII who had two daughters. Mm. I think so. Mary yeah. and Catherine yeah. and Elizabeth. No, Mary and Elizabeth. Catherine was two of his wives, three of his wives. Yeah, it's yeah. we need to, we need to wait into into the eight yeah. sometimes. <laughs> we we I mean we've got enough events that he's done that'll pop up throughout the year. Sure. If you have if you want to get a kind of a brief overview, a little bit of creative liberty taken, watch the Tudors. If you haven't watched, it's a good series. It actually is a good series. It is, <laughs> and and it's the events that happen are factual. The dialogue, of course, we you know, creative liberties. Yeah. But uh, Henry Cavill's in it. Superman. Hey, there's a good. Whoa. Bring it back. He's from the island of Jersey. Did not know that. Which is off of Africa, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But it was a British colony. Was it Jersey or Old Jersey? It's not New Jersey. Can't be. It's just Jersey. It's Jersey. The Isle of Jersey. Hmm. 
I'd say it's off of, it could be off Spain. It could be off. It could be somewhere Asia. else. <laughs> it's somewhere in the Atlantic. <laughs> it's somewhere not here. Not only are maths hard, maps are hard too. So, <laughs> maps are easy. So on to the next one. I'm going to get back to my notes. Uh, let's see. 1938, the world land speed record on a public road is broken by Rudolph. I'm going to butcher this. Caracola. C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-A. I think you're close enough. Yeah, I can't. I can't do better. Caracola. That's, yeah, that's why I would have gone with Caracola. I typed this. And I don't know that I. Okay. Could Rudy. <laughs> we're gonna call him. We're whole Rudy. Rudy. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Rudy. Rudy. Rudy in the C. Mer- in the Mercedes, right? Rudy C. Not Rudy A or B. In uh, the Mercedes Benz W125 record wagon. W. Sorry, R. <laughs> Letters are hard. E K O R D W A E G E N. It's pronounced like it's spelled. Record wagon. The record wagon. Yeah, it's wagon. Wagon. You know, wagon. Uh, at a speed of 432.7 kilometers. It's kilometers for those of you that are Americans uh, per hour, which roughly equates to 268.9 miles per hour. Which isn't that fast on like a salt flat or right. like a drag no. strip or someplace that's meant. Or the Autobahn. Meant yeah. to go fast. This was just a road. Yeah. Yeah. A road <laughs> uh. that could have had rodents and deer and god knows what jumping out in front of have you seen street outlaws right that's what pops into my head is they're going down some side street in oklahoma city (laughs) (laughs) in the wreck of the wagon 268.9 miles per hour that's nuts that is it's moving moving yeah i've seen i've seen uh clips or reels on facebook and i think some some youtube shorts as well to where you see a guy on the autobahn doing like 300 kilometers an hour and some exotic car just pulls right behind with flashing his lights to get him to move over <laughs> scary yeah scary. nope nope scary, so. on to the next 1956 excuse me uh, elvis presley makes his first national television appearance so he was already a big deal on the radio and yes. stuff like that before then. And then television kind of caught up, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I guess the Beatles were kind of the same way. They, I mean, when people had yeah. bought their records and whatnot. Yeah. Their records and the radio made them famous and then right. television gave them a face. Exactly. Fair. Same thing. So, and he wasn't very old. He was in his oh. early twenties, I think. Nice. I don't think he was a teenager. I don't know. No. Have you guys seen the new Elvis movie? I have. Is it pretty solid? It's good. Um, I watch it. I'm not a big Elvis fan. I respect him. I get what he did for for, sure. for popular music. Yeah. I get the barriers that he broke down with his lewdness. Yeah. You know, he's shaking his hips on stage, say, he's driving girls wild. Exactly. So I get what he did for breaking down social you know stigmas and barriers and all that thing but right I, I i'm not a big ellis fan you know i'm i'm in that same exact boat for like michael jackson sure the dude did amazing stuff for pop culture and sure. for he could sing do good dance he did some very other questionable things that i can't go i'm a huge michael jackson fan because sure. of everything he did it's pretty break even well, he did some really bad yeah. lewd things well and for everything that but do could dance right holy right, cow right. some great songs yeah so i thriller mean still a great oh yeah 
Yeah. So I've heard Smooth Criminal, the Alien Ant Farm version, probably a hundred times over the last year because my son likes that song. So sure. it. and he just every once in a while I hear it in his earbuds, whatever. Coming back home yesterday from his basketball tournament, we we heard the Michael Jackson version come out in '89. And I just, I, I'm listening to it. And it's like, God, there's nothing about, you know, because he is his woos and his whoops and his, you know, whatever that he does. So he, he's, <laughs> he, I, none of that would pass his music now. No, it, but it, everybody else that ever does it is imitating him. Right. Everybody that throws that little he, he, right. Or whatever those little quips were that he put into quips, his music. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. It was him. His idiosyncrasies. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> else that, right. that does any kind of like background vocal right. interjection sure. was all inspired by him. Sure. sure. Background singing, I would even say, kind of was like the king a of thing. pop. Yeah. He did it. Yeah. He also hung a kid out a window by his yeah. blanket. Blankets. Yeah. Blanket was what yeah. they were calling the kid. Yeah, I think so. Was it that Prince Michael the second or whatever? Yeah. Kind of before my time. It's yeah. It's not gonna lie. Yeah, he was an odd one. He was. Well, he never had a childhood. Yeah. His dad stole that from him, and right. so that's what they said that, that he had some mental block there that he was just a big child. Yeah. But when it came to his craft, there was nobody better. No. No. You right. know, from from the production side to the de- the development, the design, everything leading up to the actual performance, and then he hit another level when he became a performer. Right. So, and that was. Not necessarily the same with with Elvis, but he was a perfectionist, and he right. he was very much. Oh, the building's gonna fall down over there or something. Money well spent. Right, it's not our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of his tax money, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so you mentioned the Elvis movie. Yeah. Austin Butler plays Elvis in the movie. I just watched the first two episodes last night of Masters of the Air which is the third in the trilogy with Band of Brothers, the Pacific, and now Masters of the Air. Austin Butler stars in it. Nice. Little Elvis-ish, which makes me wonder if that's just who he is. Ray I've, said that he's transformed so much, he's got that accent all the time now. He sounded like Elvis, and they asked his character where he's from, and he's like, Casper, Wyoming. And I'm like, ah, that no. might work, because it's kind of a Western. No, I think no, he did a whole work. Heath Ledger deep dive into character sure there. and it may be but he, you know he pulls it off and he does it beautifully yeah and i've only it's only been two episodes the next one comes up friday and i can't wait <laughs> but it's i mean it's it's playtone productions it's tom hanks and it's steven spielberg yeah spielberg. it's not gonna be bad yeah it yeah. can't it's fantastic nice. so if you've got apple plus watch it hmm. worth every bit of it so on the next 1958 the lego company or they the the Patent for the Lego was filed. Yes. Um, I'm just <laughs> briefly reading off here, trying to find. I think Lego Company patents the design of its Lego bricks, still compatible with bricks produced today. So the patent stayed true. Uh, six bricks of two by four studs can be combined in 915 million 103,765 ways. Yes. I can read math. You're I welcome. just can't do them in my head. Shaboom. One way, and what's crazy is that last one, the, 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 their tolerances are 10 micrometers, not micrometers, micrometers. Micrometer to us Americans. Yeah, but that <laughs> that is one micrometer is a millionth of a meter, which oh. which is hard for colonials, but yeah. it's really, really, really small. So when you say they have tolerances. What is meaning, meaning the bricks 
touch within their 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 level they're perfect within 10 millionths Holy of hell. a meter that's yeah precise yeah, so if there's a hundred centimeters in a meter right and there's 10 millimeters in a centimeter that means that one millimeter i'm putting you to sleep right now. <laughs> that means there's one millimeter is a i asked thousand. i'm sorry Ryan. it's early i know <laughs> one millimeter is a thousandth of a meter yeah a micrometer is a thousandth of a millimeter yeah which is it's small we get it yeah that's yeah. why legos right they're perfect they're precise they're, absolutely unless the dog gets a hold of it let's be honest it's not gonna be yeah. as precise but that's why they hurt so bad i think oh, when yeah. you step on them because they're precise because they're precise, they're precise. They're sharp. makes they're sense perfect. see it drives me crazy i haven't gotten little man into legos yet yeah he just i tried with reed i tried and i love him right same i was still i would Jacked, and then I get to play with Legos with yeah. my son. Like, we get all these big sets. We can put together. We're gonna, gonna build the Millennium Falcon. Come on, let's right. go. I'll build a Death Star. And you build a Come Millennium on. Falcon. Guess what? Couldn't care less. No, same here. He has so many Legos in his bedroom. I'm sorry to tell both of you guys. My son, who is one, cannot walk by the dirt bike without getting it on and started and revving it, and he just goes nuts for my passion, which is awesome. He gets on it, starts it, revs it at one. Uh, he uh, that is awesome. I put him on it oh, and he grabs on the handlebars right. and he actually revs it like he's actually nice. doing it. Okay, that, that is impressive. Yeah, he's actually I was like, gonna say if he can reach the right, kickstart no. at this age, no, 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 gonna have a giant this on summer, hands. he'll be taking off. Don't worry about it, <laughs> right? No, and he's <laughs> can you imagine a one and a half year old with the helmet just giggling away? That is a baby on a motorcycle, right? No, there's his helmet. Hey, <laughs> too bad nobody it can doesn't see it. fit. Well, no, they can, it's just too bad it doesn't fit one of us. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it might actually it might fight my my little yeah, peanut head. But he's <laughs> it does it fits him like a five gallon bucket. But that's not it probably fit me like a five gallon bucket. Let's be honest. Oh, okay. All right, moving on to the next one. Nineteen eighty five supergroup USA for Africa. Which, if you don't know who all was involved in that, it's okay. Pick a person they were yeah. involved. <laughs> in uh, Nineteen eighty five. Anybody who was anybody. Lionel Richie, Bruce Springsteen, Hall and Oates. Michael Jackson was in it. Um, Diana Ross. Yeah. I think Tom Petty was even involved so, in that. Yeah. Again, it's whoever was a singer back then. It was big. Yeah. They were part of it. Bono was a part. Yeah. You you name them. They were involved in it. Uh, but they, they uh, USA for Africa was the name of the group. United Support of Artists for Africa uh, recorded the hit single, We Are the World. If you don't know that, where have you been? Right. So New York. Yeah. Clearly too young to be. No, wait, I would not say you're too young to be listening to the show. <laughs> no, because we want you to listen and learn. Um, but yeah, they they help raise funds for the <laughs> Ethiopian famine relief. Well, and that was that mid 80s. That was that time when yeah. everybody was focused on we just how bad world. things are in Africa and their their living and stuff. And now we're we are the children. I don't know that they are way better, but they. They did their part. Feel focused as much. They did their part. Didn't they remake this too? Like maybe 10 years ago? Something like that. Yeah. I, was, I heard there's something about it that they, they re-recorded the song with newer pop or with, with yeah. today's or at the time. Because I know there's a section of it that's like people rapping. Yeah, that would not have been. I mean, it could have been 1985. No, I this was been, new because I know it was. That would have been Run like, DMC and KRS. <laughs> no, this was like Sugar Little Hill Wayne and. and uh, oh, yeah. No, that's. I think I don't know if it was ten years ago or I almost went whole that range. 
Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> I mean, it, I feel like it was like an 05, maybe a 2015. I would think it would be a anniversary yeah, I, I thing. I remember hearing something about that now that you mention it. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I, I think it, 2015 sounds right. Cause I think it was the, you know, 30, 20 year anniversary math again. God damn it. Why are you throwing <laughs> maths at me so early? You know <laughs> that me and math and words and letters and distances and things don't mesh well at eight, <laughs> nine, 12 in the morning. <laughs> God, we are just cramming nothing into this show, are we? All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, and last but definitely not least with the, the events, 1986 Space Shuttle Program STS-51L Mission Space Shuttle Challenger disintegrates after, shortly after liftoff, um, killing all seven astronauts on board. One of the astronauts happened to be a teacher who was going to teach uh, science lessons from space to be the first to broadcast down to students. They were live cast it because I know we were set up to Receive those casts when I was in second grade when this happened because I'm old. Hey, you watch it. You will go to your room. <laughs> um, but yeah, tragically, uh, the there there was a fault in the O-rings on the booster rockets, and that caused the um, rapid acceleration of heat, and it caused an explosion. So there's a few um, documentaries that are out. I believe the one, and don't quote me on this, it's either on Netflix or it is on Amazon Prime, but I believe it's on Netflix. And they do a lot of research into, they, they interview the design engineers, they, design, they, they interview the family, hmm. um, and they talk about how they let them know that it's because of the weather, because of the colder temperatures, that there's, there's a flaw in the O-ring on the booster rockets. And they warned them and they warned them and they warned them. And the lead engineers told them, hey, it's within, you know, understandable specs whatever yeah with intolerance thank you you're the guy yep and um they went in and and the lead engineer not the lead but the the engineer that was telling them that the problem was there he couldn't even be at the launch because he knew something was going to happen oh god so yeah it's it's an amazing 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 Mm. documentary and the worst part of that whole tragedy is that they are fairly confident that where the explosion happened um where the shuttle was based on the the distance from the explosion that all seven people aboard were alive the entire time they plummeted to the earth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. So they knew it was that was it. Yeah. It's catastrophic. Jeez. So yeah. Terrible. Yeah. It's I, I want to say it's a three parter. Maybe maybe it's a full hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, one I you remember I, what it was called? I don't. I, I can look it up. I can throw it on our Facebook group. I can throw a link to it so people can see it. But it's it's fantastic. Mm. Um, you know, Delaney and I watched it last year sometime, and it's just jaw dropping through the entire thing. Hmm. So uh, let's go to happy note. Happy birthday. Let's shift gears to happy birthdays. Hit <laughs> on that note. <laughs> um, Nineteen twelve. Jackson Pollock, American painter. That's a Pollock. That's a Pollock. Um, right there. My favorite line from Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't take a black light down there. It'll look like a Jackson Pollock. Love <laughs> <laughs> that. I could not have found a better actor to play nope. Star-Lord. Nope. So Jackson Pollock was an abstract artist, to say the least. Yeah. Um, splatter painting is what we call it as kids. Yeah. Um, I had a skateboard that I painted when I was a kid, and I splatter painted it. So I didn't realize I was making a Jackson Pollock yeah. skateboard. So nice. uh, moving on, 1936, American actor, director, writer, Hawkeye himself, Alan Alda. Um, if you are 
not privy to Mash. Uh, maybe you know him as the father from Father of the Bride. Yeah. He was in a ton of other things. I put uh, just a couple of my favorites on there. Which yeah. are? Mash. Yep. Uh, Blacklist that ran from 2013 to 2023. Oh, I forgot he was on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the movie with Ben Stiller, Tower Heist. He played a bad I guy. I saw that. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I won't ruin it for you then, but he played a not good guy. <laughs> so what a bad guy. He just wasn't a good guy. Yeah. yeah I got I to watch that now. I didn't no, know Tower was. Heist. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. Fantastic. Nice. All right. Moving on. 1959, the world was given American director and producer Frank Darabont. Yep. Sorry. I'm working on Darabont. Saliva. Over you okay? Here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a, it's been a morning. On the part. Uh, let's see. Directed and produced. Let's see. The Green Mile. The Majestic, one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? It is good. That's one with Jim Carrey? Yes. And it's, it's a serious role. Yeah. Not a lot of comedy. I mean, there's some funny parts to it, but not a lot of comedy to it. It's There's some substance to his character. It's fantastic. Uh, let's see. The Mist. Didn't see it. Um, and then he directed quite a few episodes of The Walking Dead. He did in the first season or so. Yes, and yes. then AMC wanted to cut the budget, and he's like, I'm out. I think he did the first season and a half yeah. maybe the maybe the first two seasons full yeah um because the first season was only six episodes right and we will get back to the walking dead good um but yeah frank darabont uh directed most of the all of season one and most of the episodes of season two so. but you can kind of feel it if you've watched the walking dead you can feel that director change yeah oh yeah it wasn't something that i was like oh wait it was something different but knowing that he did the first yep season and a half or so ish and then season two and season three and for those that have seen it or or haven't, you should. But every season kind of had like a idea around it. Like there was, yeah, there the, was the, there, the yeah. season they were in a prison. Then they were in that in one. the town. They were on the farm. They were there. There was yeah. There was a different vision or a different aura to it. Aura. Right. And you can kind of tell like something. I I right. see it. Right. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the in memoriam segment. Uh, let's go in the wayback machine. Eight fourteen. That would be eight fourteen CE. Eight fourteen Common Era. Mm-hmm. You're learning. <laughs> uh, Holy Roman Emperor, born in the year seven forty two. Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. He was one of the ones that I kind of wanted to go over for this episode. <laughs> Charlemagne was an interesting character. Sure. Interesting study. So, uh, moving on to fifteen forty seven. We alluded to it earlier. Uh, King of England, and the reason that we have uh, the Church of England, yeah, that would be Henry VIII. The reason we have the Church of England, or had, do we still have? We had, had. regardless. Yeah. Um, the Pope at the time would not grant a divorce to Henry VIII for his, I don't know, first wife, second wife, whatever. First of six. Jeez. And um, so he broke away from the Church, from the Catholic Church. Yep. Created the Church of England. And he was married six times, yes. became king at 17 years old. Another one we need to go down sometime. Yeah. He was an interesting fella. Yeah. <laughs> Giant ego. Yep. Yes. That's not a euphemism. Nope. Giant just, ego. Just straight that up. dude had trouble walking ego. through doors because his head was so big. <laughs> so. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, fast forward a little bit. Again, we alluded to it earlier. 1986. Space Shuttle Challenger crew. And I want to... Uh, mention their names because it is they're on here it is only respectful and appropriate that we do uh but we have uh american captain engineer and astronaut uh gregory jarvis we have american educator and astronaut uh krista mcafee mcafee 
I don't know how to pronounce it. I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm not trying to be funny. It's right. just a weird spelling name. It's not a Smith or a right. Thomas, <laughs> oh. you know, or a Fluker. Can't all, can't all be Thomas. People mess that one up all the time. Right, right, right. It's not an O'Neill. Right. So, uh, but yeah, she was supposed to go in and, and do a series of lessons from space. Science lessons. Would have been so, amazing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, physicist and astronaut Ronald McNair. Then we have engineer and astronaut Ellison Onizuka. Good job. That dude's an interesting character there. Here, I don't know if it fell off of me. Or <laughs> poking me. So, Ellison uh, Onizuka. And then you have the uh, colonel, engineer, and astronaut uh, Judith Resnick. That was also a uniqueness that they had two women on the same flight crew for a space show. That was the first time that that was going to happen. So there's that. Hmm. Uh, then you have Colonel uh, Dick Scobie. He was a pilot and obviously an astronaut. And then you have Captain Michael J. Smith, who was also the another pilot. Good job with so, the last name. That's yeah. Proud of you. I've been practicing that one. Yeah. That one was going to throw me up for a loop. It was. Yes. I, I didn't want to say for a loop. I'm sorry. That's. Anyway, uh, let's see where are we on that one. And lastly, 1996. Um, it just happened to fall in order this time. Uh, we have American author, illustrator, co-creator of Superman, the father of the modern comic himself. Yep. Jerry Siegel. Yep. So there we go. That is today. Where did my arrow go? There it is. Today in history. So, uh there we go. Is that a saying history? Yes. Oh, we stumbled through that one like we have everybody Ooh. else's show. <laughs> I blame nobody but myself. That's okay. No, it's, okay. it's all good. But you've been waiting for this one. I think this has been your, uh, your the one you're excited about. Excited. <laughs> Giant nerd. I want to do Charlemagne, but really I want to talk about comic books. Well, so as I go down the list, I put them on there. That's that is literally the order that I saw everything. I'm like, oh, Charlemagne would be good. Ooh, Henry VIII would be good. <gasps> Jerry Steele. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, it's uh you know we can we should just really just roll into it. What do you say? Let's roll into it. Do it. Siegel, yep. father of the modern comic, visionary. Visionary. Interesting story. If I get the words out, interesting story. You better get the words out. You're the one doing all the talk. Not all of it. <laughs> you have a segment. You have a segment. I have a lot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't call mine a segment. So, um, so yeah. Jerry, Jerry Siegel. Siegel. Jerry Siegel. 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 I say Siegel. I I mean, it was a name that, that his parents made up when they immigrated. Right. So he related to Jason. No, spelled differently. And oh, never mind. Trying to like make I that said, connection. They, they, they immigrated in 1900. No. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Ish. His parents immigrated in 1900 into New York. He was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Probably not. Chances are slim, but there's a relation, but maybe. 
I'm hoping. Maybe, maybe. You want to effort that one, see if there's a connection? I can I can look through. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we have Ryan busy for the next five minutes. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going into a deep plunge on this one. <laughs> but no, so Jerry was born into a Jewish family. They were born in Lithuania and fled to New York in 1900. Yep. Um, just for the anti-Semitism that was rampant in that part of the world at that time. And his parents were, you know, good, hardworking, salty kind of guys. His, his father was a, a tailor, owned a clothing store. But June 2nd, 1932, his father was assaulted in his store by a shoplifter, suffered a fatal heart attack. Um, and then nine years later, his mom died of the exact same thing, heart attack, 1941. But he uh, he went on from there. He joined the army for a little while. He was actually trained. I can I can love this one. An airplane engine mechanic. Hey, there you go. All things. So we're basically the same person, which is kind of cool. You know? Are you? No. No. As much as I can say that because I spell my my name the same as Shaq, we're cousins. Right. We're, we're not. <laughs> no. But yeah, he was trained in the army as a airplane engine mechanic, a film editor, a motion picture cutter, public relations man, and a reporter posted in Honolulu where he was assigned to writing job of the military newspaper Stars and Stripes, which is still the newspaper for the military. Stars and Stripes is still the military publication. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And was discharged in 1946 as a rank of technical Technician, fourth grade. And me being the Air Force guy that I am, I have no idea what rank that is. <laughs> <laughs> no done. clue. Well done. None. No clue whatsoever. Um, I'm going to guess that that's somewhere around, I'm, again, guessing. Yeah. E6. That'd be fast, but. E5. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um. So he starts working for DC Comics and he, he's doing some some work with DC. Comes up with this idea of Superman, which is going to be this, at first, a not really a hero, but a, would it be an anti-hero or just a bad guy? Originally, he was a villain. Yeah. And not only that, hear me out. Um, and I, I don't know how far into your your ear. Studies will get, get got into that, but he actually came out. So he met Joe Schuster when they were in high school together before right. he went into the army. 16 years old. Yes. Yeah, 16 yeah. years old. Um, and they actually came up with the idea for a superhero, which would be the villain actually um, when they were in high school, still in high school together. Um, conceptualized it. Wanted to, wanted to, Superman was bald originally. Yeah. 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 That's. Which is already villainous. Yes. Good yes. guys aren't bald. Right. Not in comic books. I'm, I'm getting there. Well, I'm almost a villain. Fact shows. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's my son, Riff. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, originally, um, and, and it was before DC Comics was actually Action Comics before sure. they became DC later on down the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they weren't really sure what to do with it. And, and they just kept, you know, efforting, networking, networking, networking. And then they originally, then, then they came up with the idea of Superman himself. So. Right. Continue. Yes. 
yeah, so they were they were developing this character since 1933, hoping that they could you know make something of it, which is commendable, especially in those times because that's you know Great Depression era. Sure. And what are we going to do? Um, and they want to sell it as a as a newspaper comic strip, which is kind of one of those cool if you can make it kind of things. Even right. nowadays, it's hard. It's even hard nowadays to get into comic strips in a newspaper because there's the ones right well keep in mind that, that that was a revolutionary concept at the time sure um because in 1936 which you know yeah shortly before superman hit you know action comics number one um there was there was the phantom yeah and that was the only newspaper comic strip superhero but he didn't have any superpowers he didn't have any special real gadgets or anything he was just a masked detective basically right so dare i say batman a lot closer to batman right and batman is strongly based off of the phantom okay but but he was a newspaper comic strip like you were saying and and it was not very popular okay at that point but there was enough of a push for it to to where they made it a national publication cool Full disclaimer going forward, and I should have said this sooner, but I did not grow up in the comic book era. Oh, I did. I did not. Not at all. <laughs> oh, um, I did. The kids don't read comic books. The, the only thing I have is in my entire house is one Spider-Man helmet. This is it. This is this is the extent of my comic book. I, 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 told, you before the, I told you before the show, yeah. I'm not even like into the Avenger movies as much as no, I probably should. should be nowadays. Wasn't that during the dark show? Right. I said people are gonna get mad. You you're doing Superman, you went Marvel instead of DC. See, I don't even know that I crossed the line. (laughs) I'm I'm crossed so many lines. Oh, you cross swords, man. (laughs) I get it. You think Ghostbusters right? You cross the streams. (laughs) You have disrupted the space-time continuum. But there's my there's my problem with it is I I don't have it ingrained. I don't have the last 40 years of my very long, tired life. Sure. dedicated comic books sure yeah. you want to talk about internal combustion engines you want to talk about trains bring it on i know things about trains that people probably shouldn't know like they can go the same speed forward and backward that's why you see locomotives the way they do because it doesn't matter sorry shut up <laughs> i heard you story but you know what i'm saying like there's a comic book like you're a- not gonna be doing this during my presentation i get it i get it, I get it. I, well yeah but that's fine <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Go. <laughs> no, I just no. You're fine. There's right. things that I'm going to learn today no, from absolutely. you right now, and right. it's not a fake enthusiasm. It's me learning for the first time. Right. No, and I get it. And I did. I just did. I had to yeah. No, and it's, and it's because we all have jobs and we all have lives outside of this. Sure. And we haven't had a chance to really discuss there's, everything that you know versus everything that everybody else knows and the little itty bitty bit that Ron knows. Right. Well, I mean, we would have to have so many production meetings oh, yes. and over, over, over the two week period just to get you guys even on a generic knowledge, generic plane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's comic books are such a broad. So, I mean, it's, it's when they say it's the, the Marvel universe. Yeah. And there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And then there's the DC Universe and the DCEU and the DC, you know, the cinematic. There are so many different realms. Sure. That it could be because there's so much content. Yeah. And it's all make-believe. So nothing is wrong. You know, and then you get you get the, 
keyboard warriors, the the internet nerds are like, oh my god, that's that's not canon. Yeah, that's not really what happened in the DC universe. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, <laughs> but she doesn't even use JavaScript. <laughs> I mean, it's major nerddom. I get it, and I and I hopefully hide a lot of it. Well, my my inner nerd, but. No, it's okay. Let, let it shine. Hopefully, you need to peacock today. I oh, that peacock fly. today. Let it go. So, well, I know in my research for like kind of the origin story of Superman, sure. which we'll, we can get to. Yeah, here we'll, in a get, we'll get into that. We'll get there. Yeah. Is and I was telling Ron this before we started. It's you know you have Superman, this then uh, there's the whole thing about Superboy, right? Which was early on, and then that origin story. Well, then, even even Superboy. It was it was Kal-El or Clark yeah. Kent, and and then it changed, it pivoted when when you get to new writers, new new uh, generations of comic book writers and designers, you know, story writers and all that. Mm-hmm. That it, it became a secondary character. Yeah, and it was in it it ran congruent with Clark Kent. Yeah, Kal-El. It, it's so there are so many different ways that it goes that there's nothing really wrong. It just plays on the, to which universe you want to subscribe to. Yeah. So, and we'll we'll get to the yeah, yeah. And all no, that. I was just saying that. Yeah, that's, no, but that's yeah. where I get lost sometimes. I'm sure you can speak to that better. It's just depends on what Superman version you sure. want to go with, and if you're that big of a fan, then you, I guess you can have it as a collective. But it's right. Just, well, and then there's there's a whole story arc of you know uh, of Red Superman to where he didn't land in Kansas. He landed in the USSR. Yeah. And he became a a, a uh, weapon of the Russian government or the communist government. Huh. You know, there's a whole story arc of just evil Superman. And it's just, yeah, whatever the brain can think of, it's probably already been done. And it's probably been done, you know, ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. See, the only problem with that is then where's the future go? Well, new writers, new thoughts. How does how does the Simpsons stay on the air for the, all this time? How do they keep predicting the future? That's, I don't know. Right. That's awesome. Right. So, um, so what's what's the process of a of a comic book what order does it go into and then what jobs are involved in 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 making comics so you got the conceptualization and the planning like we just talked about Mm. to where you get new writers coming in and they're they're thinking up new shit and they're trying to put it together and they're trying to make sense of it and and they're 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 trying to get their their stuff pushed published because now and again we'll get back into this the writer's name absolutely adds credit or discredits whatever story arc they're going to take because hmm. you get fans that follow writers and not comics. Right. So, yeah. Um, from there, then they go to script writing and they literally sit down and they almost make a, make a, uh, a movie script about it. Line everything out. They make basic storyboard. Um, well, a comic book is a, is a movie on paper. Exactly. Let's, let's yeah. be real. Exactly. It truly is. They it's... write it out as a script. They, yeah. I mean, they, they put footnotes in it. They put uh, scene notes in it. They put, uh, backstories, narrators. That's cool. Everything. They they yes. just line it all out. That's what the that's what the writer's job is. That's that's Stanley to give you an to, to give you a name sure. with a job. That's Stanley. He's a writer. Yeah. He's not an artist. He's a writer. They they have very basic um artistic talent. More than all of us put together. Right. But but it's specialized. His job is yes. to write the story. Sure. So from there, then it goes to storyboarding, like we just talked about. Then it goes to artwork to where the artists actually draw it out. So they take the scripts, they take the storyboards, and and then they they 
put it to a greater detail and they, they put it in an order to where it Just all makes a sense. Pencil drawing. Right. Yeah. In in the older days, so when Stan Lee and uh, Jack Kirby were getting going, Jack Kirby was a writer and an artist. So him and Stan Lee worked hand in hand a lot of the time. Cool. Um, nice. They would write the script, draw the storyboard out, then go back in and fill in all the dialogue. So the mm. script was really a basic telling of the story and it had more notes on the scene, on the location, on the events that are going to happen and a vague where the dialogue is going. Artists would go through and draw all the storyboards and then they would go back through with the writer and the artist together and they would put all the the minutia, all the yeah. dialogue in there yeah. to, where, yeah. to where it became a full comic book game story. Nice. So, and then from there you get the lettering, you get the person that comes through and and writes it all in. Penciler is in, is in between the the artist and the I forgot the penciler is in between the artist and the the writer. So they go through and they pencil it and they make the storyboards, and then the artist would come in and color it all in. And then you've got the lettering. They would go through and actually black everything in, put all the the, the shadowing, the, the the background, the the all these things. And then it goes to editing from there, and then they they chop and cut and put it all together and make the final product. So it's a very involved process to get a comic book. It's not yes. just it's not just Stan Lee grabbing it and and drawing everything out, Doodling putting all the pictures, story right? In. Right. It's, He's the conceptualization of it. Right. And yes. then Jack Kirby is the embodiment of it. He pulls it and makes it an actual yeah. comic book. So, gotcha. Um, and then it goes to print and production and then marketing promotion. And then it becomes a whole juggernaut of let's get it out there. Um, Just to see in five or six months, if it has actually a success. Right. And keep in mind that these are monthly issues. Right. More often than not that they come out. It's not a, it's not a weekly. It's not a, you know, when you get into the bigger ones, like your um, walking deads, they're graphic novels. Yeah. If it's between a comic and a graphic novel, Graphic novels just a bunch of comics thrown in together to make a thicker book. Okay. Literally it. Yeah. The the reason that it's from graphic on there, a lot of the content in those because they can get into a deeper story. You get a lot more what they call realistic violence. So in your your comic books, you're gonna get the 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 power bubbles and the Kabam. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. We're on the same page there. Yeah. Um, but in the we'll take the Walking Dead, for instance. Um, have you guys watched the series? Yes. So you know who the governor is? Yeah. Okay, the way he, um, I won't say perishes, but the way that he sort of kind of meets his demise, um, gets his eyes stabbed out, gets his um, male member nailed to the floor. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. You know, when what, what you saw um, with Glenn getting his eye bashed out oh. on screen, paled in comparison to what they showed Negan doing to him in the graphic novel. Really? It really emphasized the word graphic. So, <laughs> okay. So, um, what are your jobs that are that are involved? What are your different positions? You've got the writer, like we talked about. Mm. Um, their responsibility is developing the story, writes the script, provide narrative direction for the artist. Um, task conceptualization, script writing, and coordination with the artist. So they are really hands-on with the artist. Next you've got, wait for it, the artist. Sure. So artist responsibilities, illustrate the characters and scenes based on the script, just like we talked about. Um, tasks, character design, page layout, penciling, inking, coloring, and those, the further we get into you know, modern comics, those actually break out into different people instead of just the artists themselves. Next, you get the letterer. Their responsibilities add lettering, speech balloons, captions to the artwork. Um, they are very integral uh, in, in 
producing the the dialogue part of the story. Sure. Yes. Um, it's just iconic of having the like you said the word balloons of right. like comic books. Like and that's the big part of that is there they they pick the placement of the word balloons. Yeah. That's even a big part of the comic. Uh-huh. Um, based on where you are in the scene, based on where you're at in the the part of the story, for a long time, that's where the word balloons were. The mm. word balloons could tell you where you were at in the story. So, and the if they overlap or do whatever, it's it's the the back and forth. Of yes, a, yes, yeah. and and that's really how they 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 got the emotion behind the story. Like you said, was it the, the, sure. the back and forth? It's a logical thing to us to say, oh, the top is the first one, then the next one, then the one below it. Right. Even if it's in the same balloon, yeah. there was but something in between there. Put yourself in 1940s America. Right. You'd never seen anything like that before. True. So blowing your mind on like, oh my God, are they talking at the same time? Is it, you know, are, are, are they even in the, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. The questions you'd never, you'd, you'd wrestle with, but you'd never actually. Like you said think. to us, it's commonplace. It's common sense, we know. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, next you have, that was the letter. Next you've got the editor. The editor's responsibility provides feedback on the script, ensures consistency so they can go back and send it for rewrites, things like that. Um, and then they edit uh, for coherence to make sure everything makes sense. So, uh, their task, reviewing scripts and artwork, suggesting revisions and overseeing the overall product. So, people like Stan Lee would be a writer and an editor because it was his product and he wanted to make sure that everything made sense and that everything when they put through matched with his initial vision right was. still got yeah, yeah. his work right him and jack kirby and we'll get to to that dynamic duo <laughs> made so many of the characters that we just know as mainstays as staples in the comic industry with marvel yeah and how hand in hand they work compared to how things are done now completely different process it's, i bet there's a computer involved now it's at like at least one yeah, I mean, there's, there's some kind of a AI layout right. to where it puts it all in order. Yeah. At least for my generation, if, yeah. I, if I think of comic books, like the first one that comes to my mind is Spider-Man. Right. I feel like that's like the Spider-Man, big one. That's Spider-Man. the big one. Right. Especially for Stan Lee. So. Right. Stan Lee was, um, his baby was Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Yeah, right. He created so many things, but in his contract, um, and this will make sense when we get in. You know, let me let me explain this out. In his contract, he said that Peter Parker can has to be a white male and cannot be gay. Right. Keep in mind this is 60s, 70s when this went on. And then you get into cancel culture, and they're like, well, he's homophobic, he's racist, he's this. And in an interview, he'll explain. He said, No, I'm I have nothing against he Stanley created the first outwardly homosexual comic book character. He was very progressive in having African-American, Asian, indigenous population, all these characters. And he said, Peter Parker was written as Peter Parker. Yeah. Spider-Man has to be Peter Parker. That's who he was. Sure. If you change him, if you make him gay, if you make him African-American, if you make him Asian, then that's not Peter Parker. Right. Yeah. That's You're not creating a, a fictional person. He can be whoever I want him to be. Right. Right. Force conceptualization changes the character. Right. True. So, Makes sense. In his contract. And it was only for Peter Parker and Spider-Man because that was his baby. And what's Stan Lee's big, biggest footnote, aside from all the characters that he made, he took a 
one-dimensional product and made it 2D. He gave them faults. He gave his characters. Yeah, he had problems. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He gave them human issues. Yeah. Right. So Peter Parker was a high school student. Yes. Peter Parker had problem with girls. I mean, he originally went after Glenn Stacy and then ended up being Mary Jane Law, you know. Yeah. All these all the, so he had issues, he had problems, he had trials and tribulations. Um he went through embarrassment in high school. You know, he 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 went through I think everybody did a little bit. He, yeah. yeah. The, the beginning parts of Peter Parker, he was going through puberty. <laughs> he was going through the voice cracks. He was going through you know, all these problems that we all face. So he, so people he could was relatable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. People could so relate was. to he his characters because he took a one dimensional product and made it 2d. You could feel it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. But that's the thing. Like he also got his powers and then realized that with great power, well, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. A line that will go down in infamy. It's, it's, oh, yes. and it could huge. not be more true. It's right. True. But he learned it after he got his power right. once Uncle Ben died. And and then he went out he, well, and his he, entire ethos after that was I'm gonna do good. Yeah. I've got these powers. I'm gonna use it the way I want to use it. He Uncle, never understood it when because because his uncle right. would tell him Uncle Ben would tell him that yeah, all the time. He never understood it. And then he gets the powers, he gets you know, Uncle Ben passes away, and depending on which story arc you follow is how he passes away. Right. Again, get, you know, it's a fast cornucopia of ways that these right. comics can play out. Um, but then it all starts to make sense. Yeah. And that's part of the maturation of Peter Parker. So Exactly, again, which is cool. Again, Stan Lee was integral in making these characters relatable. They weren't these gods. Yeah. They were humans. Right. They were us. Yeah. So You could feel it. He wasn't the Superman from another planet that right. can fly. Who's but, not relatable at all. Who, who right. To a degree. Clark Kent was bumbling. Yeah. Clark Kent, and it, 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 but that was an act. Right. Yeah. All, Peter Parker was genuinely. Awkward teen. Awkward, maturing, learning, right. all these things. So a few more jobs, and then we'll get into some more of the fun stuff I say. We're going to keep doing this the whole time. And I I'm guarantee it. great with that. And I apologize to your wife of how late you're going to be to church, but I'm going to nerd out. <laughs> sorry, Karen. I'm so sorry. Um, so after the editor, then you got the colorist. His responsibilities are to add color to the black and white illustration. So to this point, all the way to the editor, everything's been in black and white. Sure. So now you've got the, the colorist. Uh, they add color to the black and white illustrations. They're enhancing the visual appeal. Uh, they do digital coloring now, but then they had shading and collaborating with the artist for a cohesive look. So the the one of the documentaries that you had mm -hmm. encouraged me to watch. Yep. I got the sense that the coloring, the colorist, the inkist, the people that put the color in that are arguably the most important she just said apology accepted. Yeah. Um they were the bass player of of any band. Yes. They were absolutely important. Yep. Name 5 Famous bass players. If you're not in music, you right. can't. Right. If that's not your jam. Right. No pun that's intended. True. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm they, sorry, I didn't you mean, cannot. I didn't, I didn't mean a pun. I was serious. Punny. But you cannot have so a punny. good, well-rounded band without a bass player. You can't. It's true. You cannot get the same feeling, the same emotions, the same stuff out of a comic book or anything right. that's in black and white. Right. You can't. Unless 
it's The Walking Dead. But that's one out of that's fair millions. Right, but but, you, but that's my point. Like the colors, the people are super important. But that just proves your point. That's one. One, right? One. How many comic? Name another black and white comic. I can't even. Not newspaper print doesn't count. Right, right, right. But but that's true. There's no emotion. There's no feeling. There's no depth of. No. No, light, no lighting, no light sources, no lighting shadows. sets the tone, sets the mood for All things. of it, yeah. So, And it's crazy that they get almost no credit because you like comic books, you like comic stories. Name a colorist. One. Name one. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. And it's not that they're not important. It's that the limelight is not on them ever. Right. Sucks. But, so they do it for a passion. So they do it because keep, they love it. Well, they're not going to get the notoriety out of it. artists. Sure. So it's there. There's it's, it's like, you know, you have to learn this job before you can do that job. Got to be a dishwasher before you can be a cook. Exactly. Before you can be a chef. Before you can be a sous chef. Before you can be a chef. Before you can be right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You could not be more spot on with that connection there. Yay! <laughs> I found something. <laughs> I did it, guys. Standard gasm. So, um, <laughs> not while I'm drinking. Come on. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so after the color scene, you got the inker. I-N-K-E-R. I want right. to make sure that Inker. I enunciate Inker. The Inker. Their responsibilities. I can't say responsibilities. But you can say Inker. Their responsibilities. I got it. No. Seventh time's a charm. Um, enhances the pencil sketches with ink. And then they provide the depth and definition. Uh, they, they're inking the over, they ink over pencil drawings and finalize the artwork. Nice. So they really cool. cement it down. Yeah. So the... Colorist pretty much creates the mood. The inker finalizes the the characters. Sure. Yeah. If you want to put more of a relevant uh, perception of it. Okay. Um, then from there, you've got the publisher. Uh, they manage the overall production process, including printing and distribution. Um, they coordinate with the creative team, overseeing production, logistics, and marketing. And then you've got the graphic designer, which their responsibility is they design the layout and overall aesthetic of the comic. Uh, including covers, promotional materials, things like that that are added around the story into the book itself. Um, layout design, cover design, ensuring visual appealing presentation, yada, yada, yada. Um, so th- if you notice that comic books are all the same size, there's a there's a relative size to that. They are 6.625 inches by 10.25 inches. Roughly. Roughly. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> Why is it precisely? Because they maximize the amount of comics they can get out of one sheet of paper. Okay. And, and you're not a standard notebook size, but out of a standard printing size sheet of paper, they can get two pages of comics out of each sheet exactly. Huh. So. That's kind of cool. Yes. So there's a reason behind everything with comic books, around behind the layout, behind the 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 story cell placement, behind the bubble layout of the of the the words behind the the lighting in the you know in, in each cell. Yeah. There is a specific purpose for everything. These nerds thought of everything. <laughs> That's awesome. Because These nerds thought of everything. Everything has meaning to it. Right. So um well and that's gotta be something that happens over time only because somebody's yeah. going to write a strongly worded letter to a to DC Comics and go, you know, on page 14, the light moved from one side to the other with for no reason. Oh, I'm sure that they have an entire warehouse dedicated to those letters that they have never even opened. Sure. But <laughs> somebody read something yeah. to somebody and 
you know, it's just they they've learned over the last seventy years how to make it yeah perfect yeah yep perfect so um so. superman would be our first true superhero right um first true hero comic with was the phantom created by lee falk which we talked about earlier it was a newspaper comic strip debuted february 17 1936 so that gives you an idea of just how close the phantom was to superman coming yeah. out superman number one was action comics number one actually was not superman number one um, but that would be june of 1938 so yep um Original concept was he was designed as a bald villain we talked about. Um, Superman was not able to fly. Superman did not have all these powers, which I'm sure Ryan will get to yes. some of those. Um, but rights were sold to Action Comics, which soon became DC Comics. Um, and then it was redesigned for Action Comics number one, June 1938. Um, and then from there, Ryan's got some Superman. When, when the rights are, when the okay. rights were sold, um, Spiegel and Schuster yep. sold for one hundred and thirty dollars. One hundred thirty bucks each. Yeah, yep. which is the same now as two thousand seven hundred dollars. Which is all they got. But what because they, they created Superman. What they did get was a job. Yes, which is why they took what they took. Bingo. And yeah, they did have final say on anything Superman related. Right. Um. So. Still, you create a powerhouse like Superman, and your paycheck's twenty seven hundred bucks. Yep, and and we'll get more into that, but but there was no such thing as intellectual property back then. Fair. So fair. Very true. Um. So yes, I was going to cover the a uh, little bit of the origin, kind of. Uh, I think we all kind of know the story a little bit of the start. Okay. okay. <laughs> Assume that we don't. And okay. By we, I mean he. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So before Me, I, I'm the problem. Before I get started on it, um, kind of like what Justin Ron and I were talking about earlier with the comic books, and it's just you have origin stories and you have different ways that all these stories can go, which is, I guess, it's fun but frustrating sometimes when looking kind of stuff up because it, it it's can be it, it, when when you're not a comic book person who hasn't lived in that world, which I'm not even that person. Yeah, keep in mind my my knowledge is vast, but it pales compared to true some of these nerds that end up becoming sure and i say nerd lovingly right Don't get me wrong. No, absolutely There's... i i you know i mean over the last 20 years nerds become sexy right and nerd isn't a derogatory term no it's somebody that is a master in that field of correct intellect i mean you could be you know an engine nerd right oh well yeah and yeah. and that's again not a derogatory term it's more of a description of your level of knowledge. Right. Who knows yeah. what they're talking about? You know, what we could have called you an engine guru, but no, now you're an engine nerd. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Yeah. And it's lovingly told. Right. Because yeah. I can geek out over it. Yeah. You Another know. term. Yeah. Vast knowledge yeah. on it. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, what I guess what I was getting getting at with that is that um, and you can might be able to speak to this that sure. like uh the there's different ages of comics. So we have the golden age, the silver yeah. age, and the bronze age. And with that um superman's origin story changed a little bit and most of the time uh so i guess to start it uh jor-el and laura jor-el is that how you say it? jor-el jor-el yeah it's more french jor-el j-o-r hyphen e-l yep uh and laura are superman's parents which uh krypton is about to explode even uh 
with the warnings of Jor-El. Yep. He was trying to tell everybody, hey, I'm a scientist. I know stuff. Like, right. He it's going to explode. We should get out of here. And they're like, no, we're good. Depending on what backstory you look at. True. Um, he was anywhere from king of the planet, president of the planet, lead scientist of the planet, hmm. yada, yada, yada. The original concept, the original story arc was he was just a scientist who had yeah. this information. Um, and if I'm still in your thunder, no, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, Krypton orbited around a red star. Yeah. We're yes. on a yellow star. Yes. So, and again, depending on which story arc you follow as to why their red star was going to explode and why their, their planet was going to die and yada, yada, yada. Yes, gotcha. true. And so... Uh, then we come to Cal L, which for those of you who don't know, that is Superman. Their last name's got to be L, right? Just, just yeah, I don't know how so, yeah. Jor-El and Laurel. Jor-El, yeah. K-A-L hyphen E-L. Cal L is his name if you haven't seen the movies or read the comics. Um, or been they, living under a rock. They, I, even <laughs> that one. I even knew that one. Hey, side note, Nicholas Cage has a son named Cal L. Really? That's how big of a Superman fan he is. Are you serious? Why don't we get him 100%. on the show? Yeah, because that dude's probably busy being crazy. <laughs> so. But uh, anyway, so they send him down in uh, the capsule nerd. to uh, to Earth, and then as you spoke to, uh, since we're under a yellow star, once he gets to Earth, he gets his all of his little powers and, and everything. And again, depending on which story arc you follow, he develops them over time. Yeah, because his body absorbs the. The yellowness, of the, yellowness sun. of the sun. They never really say what it is. Yes, and you I'm sure have, that if you, you don't have to when you're making stuff. Exactly, up. and true. I'm sure that if you did a deep dive into it, there is some story arc where they explain exactly what proton or what neutron exactly. or, or what yeah. solar flares. Don't say do. gamma ray. No, that's that's Hulk. <laughs> that's well, that's plenty of others. But again, yeah. it just depends on which one you read, right. or which one you believe. I don't say believe in, but which one you like. Subscribe um, to. Subscribe to. That's yeah, a good way yeah. to put it. Um, some say that, like, he, like you said, he got his powers later on because of the yellowness of the sun or whatever particle. Right. Some say that um, he got it right when he was here, and it was kind of like a Hercules kind of thing, to where he's right. an infant and he's lifting cars. And, and you, you do have, and it's not a Mandela effect. There are actual comics where they show baby Superman flying, carrying a car. Yeah, and mm. you know, giggling like a like a baby will. See, and that, While carrying a car. that was where that's where I guess the big discrepancies between the stories go is when sure. he gets to Earth. And then, you know, some stories have where the Kents, which is his uh, family, uh, why he becomes Clark Kent, but uh, what they do when they find him. Like, there's one story which I thought was kind of crazy. They drop him off at an orphanage. Right. And then adopt him years later once he's kind of huh. old. They just don't want the baby. Yeah. When he, uh, I think it's like maybe 10, 11, they're like, oh, yeah, no, we, we want you back. Huh. Yeah, most of them do subscribe to the fact that they just kept him. Yeah. Because they he landed in a spacecraft. That's what yeah. I was told. You know, and, and that's yeah. that's that's considered. The story. The most accurate. And I, that's the one I, I subscribe to as well. Because sure. I, I like the, the thought, kind of like we were talking about Uncle Ben earlier, that, um, Mr. Kent was kind of that Jonathan. Jonathan was that version to 
uh, Calil Clark. Right. He was like, you know, hey, let's let's be good, let's do good things, let's be you know wise with our powers. Right. Right. And, we want to help people, not destroy things. Right. Jonathan and Martha Kent found him in their field in Smallville, Kansas. That's yep. the connection to us. Yes. Um, right. And there's 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 even a whole series called Smallville that's based off of that. And uh, John Schneider, who played Bo Duke, actually plays Jonathan Kent. Anyway, awesome. um, <laughs> and, and and again, it just it depends on what story arc you want to follow. But the, the most widely accepted one is that they found him in their field, or, and this is where it varies a little bit. Either they found him in a field, or they were driving along the road and they saw that they hit, and so they they turned off the road. They found his spacecraft. They took him took him home. Whatever. Yeah. And then they raised him as their own. But Jonathan Kent was absolutely the driving force behind always do good be morally right yeah yada yeah. yada yada and and the most widely accepted um way that his powers developed was that when he was eight eight nine ten eleven twelve power started showing up and that's when jonathan and martha kent were absolutely telling him hey you can't yeah. show the world you are special we know how you got here right they're going to take advantage of you. And yes. 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 And you will, they will, they will, the government will take you. And right. I think they use the words, they will take you. <laughs> they. And, and you know, you, you will not be able to be normal from that point on. Yes. Or, or, or at least be able to portray the image of normality. Well, and then that came into play, like uh, where he got the uh, Clark Kent identity and became uh, a reporter at the, in Metropolis as a, right. Um, he was just a newspaper editor. The Daily right? Plan. He was a, he was a, again, depending on which one you follow. Yeah. He was a reporter. Yeah. That's where he met uh, Lois Lane. Lois Lane. Whoop, whoop. So hey, a little side note again, Jerry Siegel was married when they were doing the whole action comics thing. And they had a model come in to be the physical embodiment of Lois Lane. And that's where they, they based her off of. Sure. Fast forward two years down the road, Jerry Siegel is divorced. He runs back into her, and he ends up marrying Lois Lane. They get married. That's and they cool. Yeah, that's, that's a fun. Right, that's a fun fact right there. Full of them. <laughs> I don't know if they're fun, but I got facts. <laughs> um, I'm killing her, her on over here. Perfect. Um, and hey, some other fun facts I kind of saw on it. Um, yeah. So. They're actually coming out with the second movie on this. John Carter of Mars. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie. The I've never one read it. Taylor, yes. Taylor Kitsch. Um, but they were talking about, because, I mean, there's different versions, as you were talking sure. earlier, of Superman. You know, we had the uh, the bald guy. We had the uh, uh, some of the ones, like, uh, he was a metahuman. Um, dating all the way back to 1933, I think we yep. talked about, in the, the reign of the Superman. Yep. Um. And just having all these different ones, but that's where it got to where he is now is from uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs is yep. the guy's name that wrote John Carter Mars. And that's where Siegel liked the idea of a guy coming from space or coming from a different planet. Right. right. And then that's where that kind of took off. And then he even uh, took some ideas from Gladiator from uh, Hugo Danner. I don't know if you know that guy. Yep. Um, but just kind of, of the course whole, I know that guy. Yeah, okay. Dare to God. <laughs> but that was where he got the whole Sorry, uh, Ron. <laughs> like super strength and yeah, all that. and he was absolutely pulled from different yes different thought processes. And and as the as action comics continued on and turned into DC comics, the 
powers evolved, kept pulling from others. He was, originally couldn't fly. Originally, he didn't have super cold breath. He didn't have yeah. X-ray vision. He, he had heat vision. And what could he do then? Super strength. Super oh, strength. Just strong. Right. Yeah. Strong and fast. Well, and, and it's you know able to leap over tall buildings in a single bound. That's from never the, not flying. That's from the jump. pre-flight jump. days. Sure. Yeah, he could kind of like he was Hulk at first. A lot closer to Hulk without the anger. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, he didn't. He didn't get stronger the angrier he got. He was just strong. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the, the reason that they, that they, the, the way they found out that he had super strength was uh, Jonathan Kent was working on the truck on the farm. The jack fell. Jonathan Kent is stuck under it. Hey, look, Clark lifts it up with one arm to rescue his dad. And then they start, you know, figuring things out from there. You know, he was late for the bus, sprinted to the bus, got there in a matter of seconds when it should have taken a minute. See, and that kind of stuff I feel like should have, I, that that makes me want to really follow that idea that he gradually got it was an evolution power. of powers. Right. It wasn't yes. just an instant. It wasn't yeah. just a Boom. hey, he's here. The sun has no effect on him anymore. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, and that's you or know when 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 he when he goes out world, yeah, you know, he goes. Most stars, according to comic book lore, are are yellow stars, but there are the rare ones that have the red stars and the and, and then the white stars and whatever. Sure. And Superman has no powers and he he can't even approach him. You know, Krypton, the the planet when it exploded, Kryptonite His came mate. with yep. came with them. I don't know how Lex Luthor keeps finding all the Kryptonite, but whatever. Um, but it takes his powers away because it's his home planet. He turns normal. Hmm. So, you know, Lex Luthor originally was was the the main bad guy, and he, you know, he's blessed with super intelligence, and so he figures things out quickly and ways to defeat Superman and on and on and on right so sure. so um ryan had alluded to the different eras of, of comic books um the initial one which they, they weren't really comics they were one cell one one frame cartoons like family circus yes okay yes in, in that same concept right yeah. um but they were traditionally politically based um i mean you can go all the way back to revolutionary era to where you can find propaganda made in cartoons in one cell frames. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But that's not considered comics. Right. Um, and a, a little side note, comic book is two words. Comic books is one. Stan Lee coined that because he said, if you, if you look at it as two words, it makes you think it's a funny book. Right. Whereas when he pushes them together, it's now it's a, a book. It's now a thing. It's an entity. It's huh. a, it's a property. Oh. I like it. So, um, the Victorian era is considered the first age of comics. So you're looking at 1842 to 1897. Can you name anything that came back from, from that time? No, because it was really politically charged. It was, um, you know, at the time of the Civil War. So there was a lot of division that was created with it. Very racist tones because of the era that it, that it was. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And there was really nothing. That, that people weren't getting famous to it. They were putting them in newspapers as filler. Yeah. But they were all politically based because everybody was serious back then. <laughs> uh, next, you had the, next, you had the Platinum Age. So then that's 1897 to 1938. What happened in 1938? Superman. Superman. Superman is considered the beginning of the Golden Age, which would be 1838 to 1956. Um, the, the Platinum Age is when you get the Phantom. It's when you get more of these comic strips, not comic books. Yeah. So that's really the big difference between 
the platinum and the golden ages that they were strips, not books. You didn't have superheroes. They were Westerns. They were um, storytelling, but in the comic form. Gotcha. In a, in a drawn form. Sure. So then you get the to illustrations. the- Exactly. Then you get to, that word's weird. <laughs> then you get to the golden age, 1938 to, to 1956. Um, standard size of the comic book was established during that time, maximizing the number of comic books they could print off of a single sheet of paper, about the number of pages they could get from a single sheet of paper sure. um, without wasting a lot of paper. So also they found that that set better on the newsstands. They didn't hide each other. They didn't cover magazines because you had, you had Life, you had Harper's Weekly, you had all these different giant format magazines. And these could all have their own section. They could all stand up. They, they didn't take up a lot of space and they didn't overlap and cover each other to where you couldn't see what was on the, I like on it. the covers. Nice. So, yeah. Again, there is a reason behind everything with a comic book. Yeah. Everything from the layout to the size, to the type of paper they use. And they, they used a, a thicker, more durable paper than a newspaper because they knew that they were gearing them towards kids. Yeah. Kids weren't as clean as adults. So they, so they could, I know, right? <laughs> so they could withstand more punishment. Sure. Same thing with the cover. The cover was not the same paper that they used for the actual storytelling because that was what took more of the wear and tear. Most of the abuse was the cover itself. So it was a slicker material so that the dust would not settle into it and yellow the pages up huh. or yellow the cover up. That's where most of the, of the, the brighter colors were because they wanted to attract the attention. They want to attract the eyes. Kids would see it. They, you know, right. So again, there's a reason behind it. There's a method to the madness, mm. all that good stuff. I like so it. 1941, What's going on? World War Two. Oh yeah, no, the, the second one. Yes. Yeah. World War II. <laughs> for those playing the home game, uh, focus shifts to promote war bonds. Promotes to sh- uh, promote Americanism yeah. because they're trying to sell bonds to pay for the war effort. Right. Um, aimed at soldiers to keep the morale up. So the storytelling goes more patriotic, right? Right. Which yeah. is where you get Captain America. I was getting ready to ask that. Yes. Yep. And you, you. Hindsight, you, it all makes sense. Right. Hindsight, you kind of right. go, I see what they're doing. I right. get it. But at the so, time, they're just these heroes. Right. That yeah. you go, oh, what's what's Cap going to get into now? <laughs> right. So on top of that, they 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 dialed down the, the superpowers because they did not want the American soldiers to think that there was actually somebody who had these powers or that there was somebody that was coming to save the day or that all these things. It was just sure. to keep morale up. So they right. made them more human than superhero change with that um once the war is over the focus was shifted to westerns and detective uh subject matters thanks to a gentleman named frederick wortham md he convinced the american public and more importantly he convinced congress um that the american public that the comic books were being the absolute cause for social breakdown that they were the cause for uh, the faltering of the American way. Really, he... So are video games and social media. Right. <laughs> right. Subscribe. Right. Please, like, <laughs> subscribe, share, all the good things. Look in the upper right corner. Tells you what to do. Um, <laughs> dynamite drop-in, money. But he really... It, it was the comic version of McCarthyism. Sure. It oh, was a very okay. communistic way of keeping the public at bay, keeping the public under the government's thumb. So um, what they came up with was the Comic Magazine Association of America in 1953, um, which led to the uh, Comic Code Authority. So basically they were the FCC of comics. Okay. Um, they were, they were, they were the, the, the comic book 
censorship. Right. And so okay. they had to pass this rigorous list of things before they could be put into production. Mm-hmm. They had to have government approval. Basically, they the government was controlling what the population could read. So Comic Code Authority was set guidelines and rules that govern the content of comic books in the United States from the 1950s to the early 21st century. That's how long it stuck around. Mm-hmm. Um, guidelines were established by the Comic Code Authority, self-regulating organization created by the comic book industry to address concerns about the impact of comic books on juvenile readers. Right. Makes Again, sense. you control the children, you control the way that they think, then you can control the populace, and you can control the country. Everything. Yep. Again, McCarthyism, communism. Right. So, well um, comic books had a number of specific guidelines, often referred to as the code that they had to follow. There was 11 of them. Uh, We'll go through these quickly. I know we're running out of time. Number one, crimes. Policemen, judges, and other respected figures should not be portrayed as criminals. No ifs, ands, or buts. Fair. Okay. Okay. Two, horror and the supernatural. Uh, Scenes dealing with horror and supernatural should be handled with care, avoiding excessive violence and gore. Mm. Again, not out of the realm of... Thought process. If it's for kids, let's keep it keep it decent. Right. Three drugs. The portrayal of drug use was strictly prohibited. Again, makes sense. Right. I get it. Four. Respect the authority. The code emphasized the importance of portraying authority figures and institutions with respect. Again, nothing online, right? No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What are you What are you catching with with all of this? A lot of gray area. Yeah. A lot of room for interpretation. No, there is. Okay. But, but be a good person. Right. Yeah. Governments aren't dumb. Right. No. People that push an agenda are not dumb. Yeah. No. That doesn't make them right. Exactly. <laughs> it just makes them not dumb. Sure. So, uh, five, race relations. Racial and ethnic groups should be portrayed without prejudice or negative stereotypes. This is one clearly that evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the 1950s, white Aryan nation, it was right. all, right. you know, stupid, stupidism. And. <laughs> We, we obviously came to our senses and understood we're all humans. Right. There's one race. Yep. Yeah. Human race. So, uh, number six, Bulgarian profanity, crude and offensive language was not allowed. Clearly, if you've read the Walking Dead graphic, yeah. that, was, well, that changed. That changed. So, um, I keep going back to that one because it was so groundbreaking. Sure. Uh, it, 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 there were others that had, I mean, Spawn had. Oh, Spawn. Graphic. Graphic scenes. A lot of crude language. Anyway. Uh, let's see. Number seven, illicit sex, sexual innuendo and explicit scenes were to be avoided. Gray area. Yep. Yeah. So they could really evolve that around so much. Uh, let's see. Number eight, sensationalism. Do you, how can I say sensationalism? But, but you I, can't say illustration. I cannot say illustration or publication or do math. Anyway, uh, sensationalism, the use of lurid and sensational material for the sake of sensationalism was discouraged. So much gray area with that yeah. one. What is sensationalism? Yeah. I can tell you what Webster says, but that's not my interpretation if I'm the government. Right. Exactly. I can wrap that in. Or you're part anything. of one government agency, but you're not part of another one, and they don't see eye to eye on mm-hmm. what sensationalism could potentially be. Right. Yeah. Yep. So uh, let's see. Terrorism and torture. The use of terrorism and torture for storytelling purposes was restricted. If you look at early Captain America <laughs> comics, he beats the hell out of Nazis. <laughs> he tortures some but Nazis. that's what we wanted the Americans tortures. to. Right. right. I was going to say, wanted. that was what we wanted. Right. Yeah. It fit the American agenda. Yeah. But once Hindsight. the war is over, 
can't do that anymore. We, we can't do that. Right. That's bad. So uh, number 10, divorce. Divorce should be treated lightly and the subject was to be handled with care. Sure. The creator of Superman was divorced. Yeah. I mean. Right, but that wasn't the American dream no, at the time. No. That wasn't the the married with 2.5 kids and right white picket fence. It wasn't. Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. Yeah. I mean. It's, yeah. So, but that's again, the thing. You're, like you're it, trying to push your morals upon, right? Juveniles. How often was marriage even brought up in comics? Though I I don't know that I. Th- oh, often. I mean, it was, was, it, really? was yeah. it a thing? Yeah. Because I feel like okay. all those superheroes wouldn't be married, and they're almost. I mean, they have their love interests, but they don't want to get married for protection. Well, for their and, protection. and and the 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 general idea of it, there wasn't marriage. But if you read through the story arcs, I mean. Lois Lane and, and Superman were married multiple times, depending on which story I could follow. Cool. Um, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker marrying, you know, nice. marriage and kids and the all thing. the things. But it works. If you follow a storyline, Superboy is Superman's kid. Yeah. If you follow another story arc, Superboy was somebody who came down from Krypton in a, in a slower spaceship and got here. And so he didn't age because he didn't come here soon. Whatever. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like what I was saying, it always works. Right. Right. Artists. They, they got married artists. and then they stayed married. Right. Because that's what happens. But the supervillains always attacked because that was their weakness. Right. But like all these rules, all I think of is the Watchmen who broke all those rules. All the rules. Yeah. <laughs> all the rules. So again, another graphic novel. Yeah. Great one. Yeah. Rorschach is a fantastic, awesome. complex character. Yeah. Uh, number 11, religion. The portrayal of religious figures and beliefs should be handled with respect and without ridicule. Fair. Yeah. Um, I don't really know that I disagree with any of those, especially with comic books being right. But aimed towards kids, aimed towards, and I understand where the 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 basis for a lot of them. Yes, that gray area can lead to a lot of other control and brainwashing ish. Right. Yes. But I can see where the root of each of those. But that's the thing is there's so much grayer on the surface. They all look fine. Right. Yeah. But the amount of gray area that they had, and they were the ultimate decision on if a, po- a comic book gets published or not. True. Right. It leaves them with to be the ultimate but authority. The, the devil's in the details. Absolutely. How do you drive a car? You get in, you put the key in, you turn the key, you drive. It's that easy. Yeah. But or, it's not. Or it's not. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, and, and, and anything can be that easy. How do you make dinner? Well, you heat up ingredients, you put them all together, you put it in front of the kids, and they complain that they don't want the, that. Yeah. <laughs> When they told you that that's what they wanted, yeah, yeah. right. I get, it. I get it. Yeah, but it's not that easy, <laughs> right? First, you have to go through and what sounds good for dinner. I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, I don't want that. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> so, Chick Fil A again. It is right. So it's important to note that the comic book authority or the comics code authority lost its influence over time, and by the early 21st century, most publishers have just abandoned it. Right. Yeah. It really the the, the 60s countercultural movement really took a lot of the air out of their sales. Um, the the baby boomers kids were absolutely, you know, free love, you know, right. damn the man, save the empire, all the things. They were really the driving force behind it. And, and obviously it took time. It was another 45, 50 years before it lost complete grip on, you know, what authority it really did have. But over time, you, you if you watch... Um, 
the the evolution of characters and the the introduction of characters you can see that they really lost their foothold on, on the well that's kind of the i think comic books aren't unlike a lot of other things that first had these agendas and we're going to push patriotism we're going to push be yeah. a good american but then right. the the audiences got it vested in those characters their, their stories and wanted right. to be a fan of superman a fan of spider-man a sure, fan agreed. of something and it's less what the comic books have to say about those agendas and more right. about the characters it's like you see with sitcoms in the 90s didn't really address what happened in previous episodes of sitcoms right. and then all of a sudden if you don't watch the whole thing all the way through, you don't know what they're talking about with all their inside jokes or the references to past things. Right. And that's even just sitcoms. Well, yeah. it's, you know, they talk about friends. How looking back now, friends of all sitcoms. Right. There are so many parts of that there that are considered offensive now. Sure. It's just the evolution of, or, which is crazy. Cause I felt like that was a pretty tame show. Right. Right. Exactly. So the office could not have gone on the air. Today. Oh, I love the office. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right, right. Nice. Yeah. So to put it to put a stamp on it and uh, to put a timestamp on it, the last major publisher to officially drop the comics code was DC Comics in 2011. Okay. They were the last major publication. They finally said that enough is enough. We're right. gonna do what we yeah, want. Yeah, no, we're good. We're gonna do our own thing. Sure. Makes sense. So cool. but keep in mind that the original comics, you know, during during the, the golden era was it was really a representation of what America should be. Yeah. And then you get to 1960s, 1970s. It was a driving force of what America wants to be. Hmm. And then you look at the comics now and it's a representation of what America is or, or what the world is now. Right. We went from being the, the embodiment to being the vision to being what it is. Yeah. yeah. So comics really do have a, a very, strong telling of, of the the foot of the country or the foot of the world right now right Ooh, it really yeah. does tell you how things are if you look at comics now and it's and it really is we're so desensitized that it uh right it's crazy again, well, I, I, again I, go back go back and look at the at the uh, the walking dead look at all i mean it's like Oh, would, would they have ever produced that in the 80s right. in the 70s and the 60s god forbid in the 50s and the 40s you would never see that kind of violence, that kind of gore, that True. kind of language, that kind of but it's apocalyptic But so, it's so thought. accessible now yeah. that I was having a conversation with my wife this weekend and we I made the comment that I'm the 16-year-old kid that I was isn't the 16-year-old kid that's today. Right. And Agreed. It's just not. I didn't have any world visions, any gray knowledge of what was going on outside of my little suburbia yeah because that's what i could had access to and what sure. the news told me and that's it right when i was 16. well that's yeah. what we we talk about you know with with uh, the twins you know em is absolutely the most responsible person in our house and it's not because we're irresponsible people right we're just we've been blessed with that good of kids right and and have that worldly of a view and again they're 15 so they're 15 year olds a lot yeah. of what they do, but right, right. but it, it's it's. I was nowhere near that at fifteen, you know, and, and D wasn't either. Of course, yeah. So, but that's that's the thing. Like, they're the kids nowadays are not the kids of exactly the eighties, the nineties. You know, when I was sixteen, I was 
1996. I was sure. No, I was 13. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and see, math is hard. Math yeah. is hard. It's it so hard. But that's the thing. Like the comics of the 40s, yeah, wouldn't have the strength that they right today that they had then. Right. So keep in mind the the you know Comic Code Authority was was really driving the subject matter of what these could put out, how they could put out. And what it really did was it created a kid-friendly era of comics. So sure. the the golden era ended with um, Casper, Beetle Bailey, Archie, Richie Rich, and Wendy all all being created, which okay. those are titles that we all know. Right. You know, and, and, and do you know anything about the Wendy comic? No. But you know when I put it in that that list of other comics, you can probably tell me exactly what they what, what the comic was about right the 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 overlying tones to it right richie rich who it was geared towards. totally yeah. know right. the story of richie right. rich yes right so uh the silver era of comics 1956 to 1970 we, we've we've rabbited a lot on that on the golden <laughs> era let's get a little more focused gentlemen shall we right. okay. so 1956 to 1970 it started with the publishing of dc comics which is detective comics hmm. uh showcase number four with the introduction of the modern i can't say modern but i can say anyway yeah uh, the modern version of flash Ooh. yeah everybody knows flash yeah. It, it really went back to the sensationalization of superheroes superpowers doing good Still having complex problems, still being a two-dimensional product, not just a sure cartoon. Yeah. So, a representation of the populace. So, uh, CCA was a dominant force during the Silver Era. Only Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman were still published under their own titles. So, of all the comics that were created in the Golden Era, Dang. wiped out of having their own comics. They were they were put into books that had multiple comics in them not graphic novels but you would get three and four different comics in one comic book gotcha so yeah. again only batman wonder woman and superman and if you think about during the the golden and the silver era they were very dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It, it was it was very projection of do good follow these morals you know eat your vitamins <laughs> right brother it was a lot of <laughs> it was a lot of this is what we want you to be we are not complex characters we do good that's it we fight the bad guy end of story yeah so, right um near the end of the silver era the underground comic movement began to pick up steam uh drew the strict rules of the cca so of course the 1960s 1970s like we talked about it was all about protest dan the man down with vietnam right. down with mccarthyism all these things. And so of course you're going to have these people that are going to create underground comics. They're going to be sold um, yeah. back alleys, you know, on the newsstand, they, they would get a, a, a deal with a, a, a local newsstand and then it would pick up steam. Obviously they didn't have the internet. So it was just word of mouth. And then they would become production and, and push throughout the country. But it, a lot of it was not necessarily anti-government, but anti-government themes. Sure. So underground, if yeah. they were to get caught, they would be prosecuted. They would be pushed as communists. They would be pushed as <laughs> all these. How extreme that goes. It's ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. All these extremes of, of what, when really they were, they were, they were just trying to be a voice of the public. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Uh, then we get into the Bronze Era, 1970 to 1985. Um, Bronze Age retained many of the con- conventions of the Silver Age with, tr- with traditional superhero titles remaining the mainstay of the industry. However, a return of darker plot elements, um, storylines more related to relevant social issues such as racism began to flourish during the period. This is when you get the uh, introduction of a Black Panther. You get the okay. introduction yeah. of a Luke Cage. You get the inter- of, of the the X-Men, which oh, were yeah. a very diverse collection of superheroes with their, their human backstories. Right. Yeah. So it was really a push in the social movement of um, equality throughout nice. the races, equality throughout the genders. Um, you get a lot of very strong female um, characters outside of Wonder Woman, who was, who was even still a very um, reined in yeah. version of what a woman should be. She she was she stood up for good and everything, but when you put her together with a Superman or a Batman, she fell. Oh yeah. To who they were. Well, now these female characters are being pushed to the same, uh, the, the same level of what a Bell superhero was, and right. accepted by the public. They could hold their own. Yes, <laughs> that is the the main thing is that they were accepted by the public. Yeah. In that same level of equality. Um. The modern age, which is 1985 to present, so this would be our era of comics that we we all think of when we think of a comic book. Um, during approximately the first 15 years of the period, many comic book characters were redesigned. So this is when you start getting multiple story arcs. It doesn't just follow a common theme. Sure, um, keep it interesting. Yes, creators gained prominence in the industry. It wasn't just a Superman comic. It was not just a Batman comic. It was you would get a Stan Lee. You would get a... Um, mm. You would get a Tom McFarlane. You would get an Eric Larson. You would get a, you know, a Jim Lee. You would get all these. They would know who came up with the storyline now. Sure. Um, independent comics flourished. Larger public publishing houses became more uh, commercialized. An alternative name for the period is the Dark Age of Comics because of the dark undertones. This is when you get the Dark Knight version of Batman. Sure. Oh. This is where you get real dark Gotham City. This is where you get the Watchmen. Yes. This is where you get all of these darker tones. These these more real exactly the gritty stuff yes the... exactly you get humanization of characters situations hmm. uh even though you're you're dealing with superheroes they are very sure. much they have depression they have thoughts of suicide they they have loss they have exactly you know the self-doubt the why right. am i doing this i can't do this exactly yeah. gotcha thus the dark age of comics that doesn't mean that it was a bad time that doesn't mean that it was a Lower, real. lower publishing. 100%. Exactly. It yeah. was a darker tone. It was a more accurate representation of what yeah, everything we were going kittens through. and butterflies. Right. No. Like you said, that just that story arcs of like, you know, say Batman, like, am I getting too old for this? Am I right. Right? Yeah. You know, am I the right man for this? And like that's when exactly. it becomes real. I and mean, that's when it like you said becomes relatable. Yeah, but Batman also doesn't have he had money. True. He's a billionaire, yeah. He's Wayne Enterprises. Right, right, right. But he had, and it's funny because Superman and Batman are, are these the two sides of a spectrum. Yeah, you've got you've got Superman that can do superhuman l- abilities, literally everything, and Batman that has money and a drive to just do good. Because I don't know if I'd say good in the beginning. Yes, he has drive to do not bad. If you if you look at our background, it, it puts 
above it puts a humanization above each and yeah, I'll, i can't I, see it i can yeah, yeah i'll I'll, I'll take it down for a minute later so you can still hear us because of course you want to hear us <laughs> um but but above um superman it's justice above batman it's a vengeance okay you yeah, know they, yeah. they have differing right drives sure so um at the time, as we talked about earlier with, with Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, um, there was no such thing as intellectual property. So these artists that were that were producing like an X-Men comic that produced 8 million copies, they were getting paid a salary. They didn't get any royalties. They didn't get any kind of- They got to keep their job. Right. They got to continue drawing more comics. But what they were getting was notoriety and fame. So they were going out to do a Comic-Con. They were going out to do- um, these comic book signings when they would release a new issue and they would get paid a, a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a signing fee? A, a, a representation fee. Yeah. A, a, they would they would be there, they would get paid a fee to do it and then they could take tips and do all kinds of things. But they weren't getting any kickback from the Marvels, the DCs, um, those type of comics. So, sure. so then you have a Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson, Jim Lee, uh, Rob Liefeld, who am I missing? Wills uh, Portacio, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, Mark Silvestri and Jim Valentino. They all worked for either Marvel or DC. Todd McFarlane being the driving force. If you don't know Todd McFarlane, started illustrating the amazing Spider-Man in the, yeah. the late 80s. Okay. Came up with his own character called Spawn. Marvel did not want to put it out. So he said, screw <laughs> you guys. I'm going home and I'm taking my comics with me. And they said, ha, those are ours. Right. You cannot take them. You cannot develop them. You cannot publish them for you know fear of... Right. Legal legal it's action ours. taken against you. So they all banded together and created a company called Image Comics. This is what is considered the image revolution. Okay. Um, what they did was they decided that, okay, Ron, you can have engine comics. Ryan, you can have Chiefs comics. You know, and I'm going to have, you know, my Red Sox comics. I'm my own publishing company. I own all of the things that I create in those publishing companies, but they will be pushed out as image comics. Sure. So what they did was they gave the artist, the the writer, the designer, the ability to make money on their intellectual property. And when, if, if, and when they were to ever leave, that is still their property. It is not image comics. Image comics is just a platform to push it out to the world. Cool. It's your property. Right. Yeah. That's why it's the image revolution. Stan Lee, worked for Marvel Comics until pretty much his death in 1995. He was a, he was a part of when he was 95 years old, not 1995. Um, numbers. We all know yeah. I have an issue with numbers. Just, just leave that be. Um, but he still did not own Spider-Man. He still did not own Thor. He did not own no. any of these comics. They were property of Marvel. He was the designer. So... So you have a Tom McFarlane who created Spawn. He was a big driving force for the Amazing Spider-Man, which is a different story arc. So you got the Dark Knight Batman. This is the Amazing Spider-Man. If you watch the movies, Amazing Spider-Man is uh, Garfield. I can never remember his first name. Andrew. Andrew Garfield. He yeah. is the Amazing Spider-Man story arc of it. So um, Eric Larson was big on Teen Titans. So you have Hawk and Dove. You have Robin when he's put that away. That blew up pretty good. He, right. He became he he turned Robin into. Uh, Nightwing, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I always want to say Darkwing, but that's <laughs> Darkwing Duck. Exactly. That's yeah, why I that's, go there. <laughs> the scourge of the night. Um, and then he, he was, you know, when he was with Marvel, he had Thor. He had he helped with the amazing Spider-Man. 
And then he went over to DC for a while, as a lot of these artists did. They went back and forth, and he was part of the Adventures of Superman, which is a different story arc of Superman. Uh, Jim Lee um, was another one with uh, with uh, Marvel Comics. So he was part of the, of the creation of the Uncanny X-Men, which became a spinoff cartoon series. Yeah. Okay. He created the character Gambit. Yep. If the you guy know who Gambit the, throws is. the cards. Yeah, we yep. both did the same. Yep. He was he was a big driving force behind. So we know the Punisher. There was a line, a story arc called uh, War Journal. So where they went back and they saw he flashed back a lot to when he was in Vietnam huh. and how oh, he wow. got to be who he was. So yes. he was a big driving force behind that one. Then he had Rob Liefeld, who is the one who really took the rock star persona, if you can call an artist a rock star. But he lived the life. When he, took, when he came away from Marvel, he became that rock star guy. He was the one that really pushed... Um, putting out multiple characters because I'm going to make more money. I can do more, more, more showings. I can make more, you know, right. signings, yeah. all that good stuff. Um, he created, if you watch Deadpool two, Deadpool two, um, yeah. he created cable, oh. which was Josh Brolin's character. Yeah, in Deadpool yeah. tool. So okay. that's, that's one of his creations. He created Hawk and dove. He created the X force. He was a driving force behind the new mutants. This guy had his hand in everything and he looked 12. So, <laughs> He was the first one to actually leave Image Comics and test the, if I leave, can I take my stuff with me? Right. See ya. Take your stuff. Go. And he ended up coming back later on. They, it was, you know, giant egos. And they came back and, you know, had a reconciliation. And then nice. It was who it was. Makes sense. Um, then you have Wills Portacio, P-O-R-T-A-C-I-O. He was a penciler, but he penciled Punisher, Uncanny X-Men, Batman Confidential, and Spawn. Nice. So he had his hand in everything. That dude, that dude was talented. Then you've got Mark Silverstreet, who is also a penciler. Uh, he was part of the Uncanny X-Men. He, he came up with Wolverine and Witchblade. Those are two of his creations. So, nice. So the, you're, you're picking up that these are big hitters. Yeah. That said, screw you, Marvel. We're going to do our own thing. And produced all of these giants Yeah. on the... On the you can't really call it the independent scene, but they weren't the big two. Sure. So, and then lastly, you got Jim Valentino. Um, he was an editor and publisher for Image Comics, but it's, fine. it's all good. Um, but what he did when he was with Marvel was he he was one of the ones that created the Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh, that's a big one. So again, another big hitter. Yeah. When he stepped away from there, he became the editor. He was the one that put most of the money into the beginning of it. So, they created Image Comics. Um, the big thing that they did, the, you know, once they stepped away, they created the rights for the artist. Um, the first big signing that they brought in was Robert Kirkland. If you don't know that name. Sounds familiar. He created The Walking Dead. Ah. If you have Amazon Prime, the animated series Invincible, he created that. Hmm. It's fantastic. Um, can't think of his name. Uh, the guy that plays uh, the editor-in-chief in The Spider-Man um, God, why am I drawing a blank? Anyway, he's the voice of the main character. Okay, J. Jonah Jameson. He, he he was the embodiment of J. Jonah Jameson. Can never remember his name. Anyway. Oh well. Um. So founded in the nineties. Um. And I've got so many notes that just mean nothing to most people. It's just dribble. Um. Robert Kirkman. I'm, I'm most people. Yes. So when you talk when when we talk about how they <laughs> they stepped away from from the CCA. Yeah. Robert Kirkman's first comic book that he put out was called battle pope <laughs> interesting <laughs> battle pope pope yes so religion 
Um, fun fact about The Walking Dead. So when he presented it to Image Comics, he said, hey, I want to do this zombie comic. And they're like, no, it's just another zombie comic. And they wouldn't take it. He kept pushing, he kept pushing, he kept pushing. He said, ah, but it's not a zombie comic. Zombies are part of an alien takeover of the world. And they said, let's go. And so then the other guys come up to him. They ask him, said, hey, so what's this about? They said, there's no aliens. In it. That's just how I got to get in the door. So he lied about what the subject matter was going to be nice. about so that they would print it. And then to his, you know, to his benefit, to his vision, it became one of the biggest graphic novels of all time. Right. And it's in black and white. And it got to turn into one of the biggest series with, with two other spinoffs yeah. of all time. So his vision was right, but he had to lie about what the subject matter was just so they could even get in the door. Which is that's nice. funny. So he's like, oh, it's part of an alien takeover plot. Saddle up. Yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> JK. <Huh>. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so what are these aliens coming? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what they <laughs> kept asking. Late to and the party, he, and huh? he was like, uh, it's issue number 135. Yeah, it's, it's part of the deeper plot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just never got We got to build before we yeah. get there. Oh, JK. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's that's kind of kind of awesome. Yeah. So, um let me go over a few of the names and then we'll 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 talk about uh one other subject and then we'll we'll wrap this up cuz I know we're running really long. I'm sorry, Karen. So, um <laughs> with Marvel, you've got Stanley, Jack Kirby, and then you've got uh John Bashima, Bashima. Everybody knows Stanley and Jack Kirby. They created most of the Avengers, sure. Um, maybe yep. Spider-Man, Thor, Hulk, yada yada yada. Uh, John Buscema, 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 I don't know how you pronounce it. B-U-S-C-E-M-A. Um, helped create the Avengers, and then Baron Zemo. Some know him, some don't. Um, if you've watched uh, the Winter Soldier, he Baron Zemo is the psychiatrist, whatever that is, um, trying to get the Avengers to turn on each other. Gotcha. Civil War. That's the one that it's on. Is he the one that's in the computer? No, he is the one that um, creates the EMP that, that turns off all the power and he impersonates the psychiatrist to talk to the Winter Soldier. And then they go to Siberia or wherever. And he's the one that Black Panther should have killed, but then he takes him to prison instead. Okay. You haven't seen him, so. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, he's also in Falcon and Winter Soldier. He mm. actually turns into kind of a, anti-hero and helps them out and anyway hmm. spoiler alert. um then you've <laughs> no, got it's not yeah you've got jill kane who created the green lantern adam warlock um then you've got so there you got dc and you got marvel um gene colon or cologne he created howard the duck yes that is a marvel entity really um i do remember hearing that created the carol danvers arc of captain marvel and then also created falcon and blade Okay. That is a Marvel product as well. Um, which Marsala Ali is supposed to be portraying Blade in the, in the reboot of it, but that's hmm. in reproduction hell. Um, Wesley Snipes is so good as Blade. Wesley Snipes was oh, yeah. the original, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Marsala Ali is taking over and looks to, to be the part, but we'll never know. <laughs> so then you got John Rabbitta <laughs> Sr. He created Mary Jane Watson, created Kingpin, created The Punisher, helped create Wolverine. Nice. Um, these are all mostly Marvel guys. Yeah. Then you got his son, John Romita Jr., who created the Hobgoblin, created Justin Hammer, created Kick-Ass, which was a movie, but it was a comic beforehand. Um, and then he co-wrote World War Hulk, which if you have, if you want to read a comic that is just insane, read the story arc of World War Hulk. Okay. You have so you have Gray Hulk, Red Hulk, Yellow Hulk, Green Hulk. You have Gladiator Hulk. You have 
um, Professor Hulk. You've got the Incredible Hulk. What? It's awesome. It's so much nerd in one story arc. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I had no idea. There's too much Hulk going yeah, on. Yeah, it's a lot of Hulk going on. <laughs> and then you've got Frank Miller. Um, some of you may or may not know that name. Uh, created Daredevil, created Elektra. He was a driving force behind Batman Year One, which is what the the new Batman movies are based off of. Mm-hmm. The one with uh, Robert Pattinson. Um, that's based off Batman okay. Year One. Um, his big contributions was he created the comics of Sin City. Oh yeah. And believe it or not, three hundred. Okay. Ooh, so okay, the cool. the loosely fictional, you know, yeah. based movie that started Gerard Butler is actually based off of a uh, historically based comic book. No way. And if you think the movie was graphic. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So with DC, you've got uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. We talked about them. You've also got Neil Adams, considered one of the top five Superman artists of all time, because obviously there's been multiple um, right. over, over the time, multiple artists have drawn him. Um, George Perez, which is a pencil, penciler, most notably known for the Avengers, Fantastic Four, Justice League. That's how he gets in the DC. His, his big foothold was Justice League. So you've got Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, Flash, Martian Manhunter. If you go into the comics, you've got the the Wonder Twins. You've got all these. Are you pulling all this from memory? I'm looking directly at you when I'm... Good God. He's good. <laughs> Are you talking about... We knew today was going to be his day. You talking about yeah. just the Justice League or what they're known for? No, just you just going bam, 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 and just knowing that. I, I, I yeah, don't that's... know how you... <laughs> well, but you could probably do that with an engine. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Yeah, turn it over. Ryan can do it with beer. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. so can I have it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple nerd realms in my <laughs> repertoire. I'm great at trivia. Just say. Um, and then you've got Brian Boland. He created Judge Dredd and also was the driving force behind Batman the Killing Joke. If you don't know what that is, it, there's, there's a comic book. There's also an animated uh, movie about it. It's where, spoiler alert, the Joker kills Batman. Oh. Ooh. And it's how Gotham... And actually how the Joker continues on after his main adversary is dead. Huh. He probably falls apart. It if you have nothing driving you, if if your muse is not there, Batman was the Joker's muse in creating all of his mayhem. It wasn't just he wanted to be evil. Yeah. Right. It was him getting back at Batman, Batman getting back at him. It was a back and forth. So huh. um lastly, I want to talk about, and this will be a very short segment because it's just cosplay. For those who don't know what cosplay is, <laughs> it is going to a comic book convention and dressing up as your favorite comic book character or movie character or video game character or whatnot. It is costume play. Right. It was coined in 1984. It was a Japanese term because the Japanese are very big into cosplay. Sure. But what I heard in one of those documentaries from people that are making the appearances there, yeah, everybody that goes there as a fan is just the nicest person. Oh, yeah. They could not be more accepting of anything. And they yeah. are apps. And you see everything from people just going to a thrift store and buying things that look like their favorite character to people that make multi-million dollar costumes. Oh, yeah. But they're the nicest. Awesome people. Most accepting people ever. Yeah. And the people that go there to make the appearances and see their fans, all their fans are our fans. Yeah. Yes. Yep. There's no Die hate. Hards. There's no nothing. It's just, well, I love what you do. If you can ever get tickets to a Comic-Con, they have a lottery for it. That's how 
and they bring in millions of people and you still have to win the lottery to even have the right to buy tickets to maybe it. someday you will no oh i don't want to pay those prices okay. but that's, that's when a lot of the the big movie and the big comic announcements come out as comic-con because it's the yeah. biggest comic book convention right you get the every most year. people right right um they have the panels where you go through and you talk to the stars to the writers to the directors the creative forces the actors all that but the cosplay level is through the, the roof. roof there are people that that build their costume for years just to go to comic-con one time that's and crazy show that out crazy in a good way yeah. I, I i have nothing negative to say i think they put the fan in something fanatic. i say might be taken negatively and that's not the intention no no, but no, no, no. that's crazy right crazy awesome that they have that kind of dedication to be able to to just make things as yeah. perfect and as detail oriented one, one guy said that he he made <laughs> a costume crazy. out of 1100 reference photos yeah 1100 what <laughs> right i'd get i'd get over it after looking at 11 photos of it Go, yeah i think i've got an idea Yep. Yep, yep. No. I think I want it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Now some of them are so convincing that it's it's nuts the way they can do the makeup and like you said they're just yeah building the costumes or there's some people get into it just so much that you're like yeah. I I'm convinced it's a lifestyle like you are that character yeah it's a lifestyle you. You are they, they are the embodiment of said character in their brain 100 percent. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We went super long. Thank you for those that stuck to it. We're, we tried to be an hour. We're now at two hours and three minutes, in, not including the dark show in the beginning. Um, that's my fault. This Thanks, guy. audience, for sticking around. <laughs> no kidding. Thanks, Noob Noob. Um, so let's get to today's big takeaways. Since last time I started with Ron, we'll start with Brian this oh, time. Yes. What's your big takeaway from today? That the uh, comic book comic book universe is so vast and so big, that unless you're in there, like you're part of that, like it, it, it Bro, kind we, of blows my mind. We talked story arcs. We didn't even get into the multiverse. That's what I'm saying. You have all these multiverses. <laughs> we didn't even get into the multiverse. That's what I'm saying is you have just so many versions of your favorite character. I could do two hours on my own about the multiverse. Yeah, you could. So, Ron, you, you just did. No. <laughs> yeah. You might think I did. No, 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 I know. No, I think the biggest thing that I learned was just that there was nothing's impossible. Right. And it's not that it's storytelling or it's fairy tales. It's things right. that you can start to truly believe in. And it and it and it's a, a moral, it's a value, it's a something that you don't have to think that you know what's going on. To be a part of it right now to get into comic books and to, to jump in right now i don't think i could It'd be overwhelming it would, it would take you a decade to just to get up to speed with where you're at when you started yeah and, that, and then the evolution the <laughs> what happens in the time that's yeah. the only issue that i have as far as comic books and the comic book world is it's fast yeah it's so vast and really, and really what you what, what people do is they, they pick their favorite characters their favorite yeah, but even then, Company, like, there's just so yeah. much. There's yeah. so many versions of that one right. character. But even that, they subscribe to one version of it. Well, you know, the Dark Knight is my favorite version of the Batman compared to Batman Year One compared to yada, yada, yada. Sure. So there, there is... It, the biggest thing that I've, that I've... We'll get back to that. It, it really is whatever you want to make of it. Yeah. So cool. um, my big takeaway um, is really that these... These artists, these these 
designers, these gurus got screwed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's the, the, the big movement is to, um, get them the money, the recognition that they, they deserve. Right. So, Give them so, some some kind of legacy, right? More than just notoriety, a, a monetary legacy, right? Yeah, pay them what they're worth, right? So, um, thank you for those of you that paid attention through the whole two hours. <laughs> I, was, I get choked up because it was a good show. <laughs> the dark show was amazing. I wish you guys could have been there. Um, <laughs> but we will be back in two weeks. That is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I'm fairly certain that's going to be our last early morning, mm-hmm. yeah, show. Uh, we'll work on a time. We'll we'll let you guys know through the socials. Um, put links up to the to the two uh, documentaries that a lot of this is is kicked out from. Um, and uh, more than anything, like, subscribe, share, and um, spread the word. Help us help us grow. Help us uh, be able to do this for more than just fun. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> might have might have a logo coming out in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, might be able to drop into some merch if we if we get so ambitious. Um, but more than anything, it's been fun, guys. Yes. So we will uh, see everybody in two weeks. Yeah. Quickly, yeah. say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.